0: hey there we go <laughs> there we are
1: uh yeah thank you jay and hello everyone i'm adam you know me as the dice of Mind.
2: i'm john also known as wise kensai and tonight we are joined by eric and tony hey,
1: boop, 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 boop. hey eric and tony soon as
2: there we john. go we did the thing
1: there it is transition magic
2: uh something's wrong with the stream deck oh well
1: <laughs> Oh boo. It's fine. It's Technology, fine. you're failing us. I know. It's
2: all good. We'll figure it out. Anyway.
1: Yeah, guys, welcome, thanks for joining welcome. us tonight. Yeah. Always happy to be
3: here. <laughs> so uh Eric, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, tonight is a bourbon Doc Swanson Lamente. Ooh. Very nice. Tony?
1: Lovely.
2: Oh, Breckenridge that is would... great. I love Breckenridge. Yeah. Last time the wife and I were out your guys' way, we went to Breckenridge and enjoyed all of their fine fine dining and booze hall. It was great. <laughs> you do. Yeah, definitely.
0: What, what a struggle.
2: Yeah, uh, I am having uh, some some nice tea, some black black tea, because uh, I'm not feeling so great. It's it's fire season in the Pacific Northwest, so Adam and I are suffering from some upper respiratory <laughs> distress. Uh, we'll try to mute all of our sniffles and coughs, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is.
1: That's yeah. right. Oh, it sounds like you might not be able to hear Tony, John. All
2: right, I will take a look at that. I bet it's this.
1: Oh. There well, we John.
2: I, I knew what the problem was and I fixed it this time.
1: Yay! That's Yay. much better than we uh, last week.
2: <laughs> hey. We hear Tony now?
1: Tony, you got to say some words.
4: Yeah, I, I do have to say words. It's true. Good words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Great success.
1: Oh, words for I'll, I'll assume oh. it's working just fine. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, for uh, for me tonight, I'm enjoying my, my final pint of uh, Seven Devils Brewing Company. From Coos Bay out here in Oregon. Uh, This is their Arago Amber Ale.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, guys, uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Bye. Oh, I like that. It's it's quite malty. I do like that. Recommend it. But I'm also biased because they're friends of my wife. There you go. (laughs) All right, Donald, shall we uh, kick it off with the news. Let's do it. All right, a bit
2: of a light news week today. Uh, aside from the obvious uh thing that happened today. Um, but uh yeah, just for a quick reminder about the various blog O missions that we're running. So, Bourbon Academy has a different point values mission that's happening um and hopefully I'll get to participate this time because we're starting a escalation league this Thursday at our local game store. So, we're going to play some 150 point games and that means I get to bring probably a blue wolf, right? 150 points, that's half the list, seems fine. Um, so yeah, but basically it's just to get you to try some different strategies, play maybe on a smaller table, um, explore some units you might not have taken otherwise, remind yourself why you like line troopers and a Harris, that kind of stuff. So just sort of explore, or if you feel like taking two tags or four tags, uh, you can play 400, right? So just mix it up, try something new. The key point here is mix up your play style, choose different units, and uh, try other weapon profiles, that kind of thing. Um, If you are interested in painting some stuff, we had our truly ridiculous um, uh, submissions last quarter of all the airborne deployment troops. So thank you again to all of our talented painters and congratulations to everybody who submitted for fabulous work. Um, Yeah, so this time, in honor of ITS Season 14, you can paint up anything with 0G or total terrain. Uh, As long as you have those rules, you're good to go. I paint it up, send it in. and then finally, we've got uh, an infinity puzzle for you, the Caliban Conundrum. So you can take Ooh. a look at what Tim, aka Chainsaw, did to me in a TTS game and let me know what I did wrong because uh, it's the internet. So <laughs> Clearly, did I, something
3: wrong. clearly, clearly internet I didn't wrong. do it right. <laughs> internet never lies.
2: It's true. The internet never lies. But uh, what's going on in uh, the big news today is Warcrow.
1: That's right. So the uh, Corvus Belly Kickstarter for Warcrow Adventures has begun. Um, for those who live under a rock, uh, this is the <laughs> um, Corvus Belly Dungeon Crawler set in their new fantasy universe. Um, and yeah, it seems pretty, I mean, it seems pretty cool. The, the sculpts are what you would expect in Corvus Belly. They're just fantastic looking. Um, I think one of the things that might... Save this game for me what i'm really curious to check out is that it has an app so i feel like there's been like this trend of like dungeon crawler games just getting more and more and more and more rules um you using like decks for ai and then all this stuff that happens in the post game and it sounds like most of the unfun stuff has been streamlined into an app um and so you can actually spend a lot more time actually focusing on and playing the, the dungeon crawler. Uh, John and I were having a conversation about this earlier, about how, like, so many of them these days are just, like, bookkeeping <laughs> with your friends. And so, yeah, the, uh, the, the hopefully the app solves that problem from judging by the the contents of the box um, and what the app is said to control. It seems like it might do a pretty good job of it. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm encouraged by the sixty to ninety minutes time estimate. Uh, we played Defiance, and I think it took us sixty minutes to just get started. Well yeah, it
1: took us like an hour to set up the the table.
2: Yeah. Oof. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I get really. So, I'll I'll preface this with the statement that I generally don't like dungeon crawlers. So, you know, I just want to make sure my bias is available for 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 everybody to to throw shade on, but. Um, yeah, I, it's not really my favorite genre of board game. Uh, I do like, like for me, it's a step above hanging out with friends and having beer. Right. Cause like really you're going to play board games cause you presumably like these people and you want to spend time with them and interact with them. Um, and so for me, like, uh, a dungeon caller should be like, of just enough tactical puzzle to serve as like a mental fidget toy. Right. Uh, and yeah. so, something like uh, what was the Hero Quest, the reboot of Hero Quest, that was like a good bar. Um, so, if the app sort of turns this into I get to make the fun decisions and don't, you don't have to do any of the annoying bookkeeping, I'm on board.
1: Yeah. And I'm also just really looking forward to exploring the new fantasy universe. They have me absolutely hooked as soon as they re- revealed the red caps, which are kind of the, the goblin y looking monsters. Yeah, and so, I can totally... find a
2: picture of one. We'll get there eventually, right?
4: Maybe. <laughs> I love the stoppers background. with their yeah, big yeah, yeah, stupid stills. Oh, other way, John.
1: Other keep way, it.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This one. Keep going. Keep going. There's a red background. It just renders on a red background. Keep going. Okay. Oh, you're so close. There they are. There oh is. yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, and of course I like these uh, more specifically because it is a bunch of insane little goblins, including some with like. With a uh, flamethrower arms and other ones that have steel toe boot stilts. Um, the but it's also because they're they're led by a uh, dark elf, hmm. so it's totally not at all like the children of Adar, right? Like it's it is uh, unrelated to anything Tolkien esque. But yeah, no, I love that. And then the crucible, which is the uh, the big guy ridden by one of the little goblins.
0: Yeah,
2: but then then is your your fancy dark elf guy Nuada.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very different than it are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unrelated, but yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm excited. I really like the I really like fantasy settings and games. Um, and I haven't found a fantasy skirmish game that quite scratches the itch. Um, like Frostgrave is a fantastic game, but it's a little too role play for me, and it requires a little bit more player restraint uh than i like i one of the things that i've always loved you know playing infinity is the uh, just bring your best list there's no expectation of bringing a friendly you know list right like it's you're you're bringing the list that you want to play and nobody complains about it so i want that in a fantasy game now please
3: i'm cautiously optimistic i I don't know what i think about the kickstarter i have beef with kickstarter and big He's doing stuff um Capital comes from other places. But if the skirmish game lands with some new mechanics that we're not seeing in other places, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know,
1: so 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 far we've seen two dice engines come out of Corpus Belly, right? Like we've seen the Infinity Dice Engine, we've seen the Aerastea dice engine. And like Aristea is legitimately a, a good game. Um, it just struggles from being uh you know next standing next to infinity, right? So it's like what do I what am I gonna make time to play? it's usually it's infinity. Um, but like, so, so far I'm impressed that they were able to come up with a totally different engine uh, to build a game off of. And like on their first shot came out the door and was like, this is actually a good product.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's really what, what will settle it for me. If the game provides a different play experience than the other miniature games I enjoy right now, I'm in. Right. But if it's too similar, uh, I mean, like the theme is enough for some people. It's not for me. I'm not a really a, a fantasy guy. I'm a sci-fi guy. So, um, there you have it. But, yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic too. I I will absolutely uh, give it a fair shake and see how it goes.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, I think that was all of the news. Really light uh light week this week. Indeed. Which means it's time to talk about our toys.
2: It is. Oh, Yay. All right, Adam, you're a queued up first.
1: Am I queued up first? You are queued okay, up first. Okay, so um, at first, uh, you know, so I've, I've decided that I'm playing JSA uh, for ITS events this season. Um, and I decided that I'm going to start by building and painting and converting on the models that I'm least likely to use in games while I hone my my strategy for painting them. Um, before I get to the models, they're going to see the table more reg- regularly in my lists. Um. And yeah, so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna chop up a, a oiran and convert it. And originally, I was gonna make it like holding the gun two handed. Um, and as I kind of started cutting it apart, I decided like I could probably do something absurd with this and make it like charging with a gigantic katana. So I I did that. I think you
3: succeeded, friend. Yeah. Wildly.
1: It's pretty rad. I mean, we we <laughs> were
2: we, we were talking yeah. uh, talking about this on the way to the Portland Retro Game Expo, right? But like. I mean, it's got an explosive uh, close combat weapon, and it really is the only reason it's an explosive close combat weapon is because it's a big metal bar that an enormous robot is swinging with full force.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what the bar is yeah. made of, how sharp it
3: is. Yep, um, it's, it's just a, it's yes, a heavy it's blunt small.
2: object. It could be. It could be I dull. think it's a.
3: Yeah, it's p equals mv, right? That yep. that does a lot of work.
2: Yep. Yeah. Both m and v are large. <laughs>
4: um. I think so, you yeah, really improved the, the, the on the, the posing of the original model, actually. Sorry? I think you improved on the posing of the original model, actually. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, not hard to do, though. I
1: don't like that pose. Yeah, true. So to, to make this, I've had a couple of people ask me about how I made the katana itself. Oh, and that's at my favorite detail. Um, so the katana itself is made out of a flattened piece of brass tube. Um, and then I file it into the shape of a katana. So that saves me a lot of... It saves me a lot of work starting with the tube and flattening it um, and then is
2: it folded a thousand times?
1: No just twice okay, two, right. two layer of Damascus uh, <laughs> and uh I also flattened the handle a little bit so it has a properly uh, shaped katana handle. sure um, I was I was getting out my dental floss and thinking about wrapping the handle and then i I walked myself back from the ledge.
0: Good
1: um, call. good call. <laughs> i've was. done it before and i'm just like not 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 gonna do it for katana rap um and then this is the, the most fun part is like i felt like i saw somebody else at one point in time put a koala on their their Oyorai, uh so i wanted to copy that so i took my own um koala there and ha- had it up on the top spine and i can't remember who suggested it it was someone in our discord uh it was, when i posted some was picture, Aaron, wasn't it no, it wasn't Aaron. Was, was it Lila? It, it was either Aaron or Lila. Yeah. Um because originally just had the koala pointing. And they're like, oh, you're gonna put a katana on the hand, right? And I was just like,
4: Yes. Like, of
1: course? Why was that How did you head know? Head?
4: Yeah. Obviously. I, I think I think
2: it was Lila now that I'm trying to remember it. Anyway.
3: Yeah,
0: it's so drive so closer
3: true. so I can hit it with my
1: sword.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: So I just used a uh, a steel pin for this one and again filed it into the shape of uh, of a katana really close enough to the shape that you won't notice once it's all painted
0: mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: this was a really fun conversion to do
2: yeah it's fantastic man
1: what's interesting actually is that the HMG, I didn't take a good picture of it I don't think but the HMG slots onto the back mm-hmm. ooh that's fancy which I didn't expect uh, so originally when I moved the HMG I just cut it in half down the middle oh <laughs> And then, and then i was putting that you know, i was messing with the with the hmg thinking about where i could put a new 3d printed one i was going to 3d print the oceano one and then i was just messing around and noticed that it like oh this just like clicks into place on its back so then i had to re- reattach the two halves and re-sculpt the stock with some plastic card but came out fine
3: yeah looks great Thanks. yeah this is really really cool setup and, yeah. Although I kind of pity you if you play anywhere near overhangs,
0: I know, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not
3: useful.
1: It's super tall. It's a pain in the ass to transport. Yeah, I'm you just imagining it. You walking it around with like.
2: like
1: See, now what like, you should have yeah.
2: done, what you should have done, you should have given it a reverse grip katana, because that's clearly better.
1: Yeah, charging. <laughs> I'll do that for number two.
2: Right there, you go. There you go. Goodness gracious.
1: What else did you get up? Oh, yeah, so I, I uh, built some more south odds and ends. My south army is pretty big, so it's just picking up a couple odd things to fill some gaps that I had. Um, so I picked up a second titan because people have been telling me that I should be running two titans or two scorpions.
4: So now, John, I have two titans and two scorpions. Um, cool. I love that choice, and your stand is great. I love that. that oh, yeah, thanks. Put on there. Um,
1: yeah, so I use this is the same brass rod that I used to make the katana from, except not squished. And what I do here is I use a wider brass rod for the bottom two inches because the model has a two inch silhouette height. So I can use the uh, the the you know the spot where where it tapers to know the height of the actual silhouette, and then I can have the model be as tall as I want. Oh, that's, that's such a cool. great idea. Right. I love that. Uh, it'd probably be easy to three D print something like that too. Um, yeah. And then I built a couple of uh, black adders here with snub cannons because um, I like snub cannons and I like black adders, at least the model. So why not? And then I've had this this theory lately, John, that I want to test against you. Okay. And it's that i I've grown to like the artillery gun. Okay. And heavy gear. Okay. And the reason why is a medium artillery gun. Is about the same point costs as a light anti tank missile. Okay. In the equation. Sure. Right? It is two higher damage and trades uh, guided for uh, blast. So I get one less D6 on the attack, but I deny one or two if I'm hitting cavalry D6 on the defense.
0: I can speak getting... firsthand when mm-hmm.
3: Tony decided to drop. I think it was a dual Ostrogoth on my Eden. He said, oh, by the way, let me know how this feels. And then I lost almost an entire combat group in a single activation. Yeah,
4: I I get it. I mean, damage 10 is gross. That's a it lot of damage. It's very gross. I mean, even a marginal hit, you're still pretty much crippling whatever you hit, you know? Yeah, LOS yeah. zero cripples a hunter. Yeah. It's a bad
0: day.
1: So I, I kind of want to give the, give them a whirl. The downside, you know, the, the, the biggest downside, of course, compared to a light anti-tank missile is that they require a spotter. You can't direct fire them. Um, so is a bummer, you can't on they
2: don't... MHT-95. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> um, but they also don't need a TD. Sure. So I can use anyone as a spotter. Yeah, um, that's fair. Looking for a TD. So I don't know. It seems interesting. I mean, for 13 points for a damage and indirect it that ignores cover
2: mm 95s are a little more expensive, but alright. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot. We'll have it, we'll have um, a mag off.
1: I know, right? And then I built speaking of artillery, um, so I built the last these are the like the last few things I just didn't have for South. So I finally got the dragon, um, and I magnetized it and I posed it where its front leg is stomping because that thing should be stomping around. Yep. Um, magnetized the guns. Uh looking really looking forward to running the linked um medium field mortars on there. So they're gonna they're gonna hit as hard as a guided mortar, except 2d6 on secondaries. Gross. Which is super cool. But then super uh, for me. Okay,
2: all right.
1: Um but then I've been looking at because I want to have some new coal to play alongside myself. Um I was looking at the the free human the FHA the Free Humanist Alliance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which if you take veteran on a dragon, you may give it precise.
0: Oh,
4: oh no!
1: So a precise linked field mortar sounds good.
4: Yeah, that sounds dirty. Oh, man. Yeah,
1: two two d six plus one on secondaries from a shot from it, ignoring cover if I have line of sight with the spotter.
3: You know that Tony plays out, right? And you know I play Tony, right? Oh, hey, Tony, do that thing. If you haven't already, <laughs> oh, I will.
4: yeah. definitely
1: next game. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> not really though. And free humanist Alliance gets uh, gets access to um, uh, conscript. Oh no.
3: Uh-uh.
1: <laughs> so you can still I can still shave the points off like uh, like my militia. Boo. Or feel the swarm of stuff in front of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's gonna be great. Don't worry,
3: John. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not worried. This is, yeah. I play Black Talons. What could possibly go wrong here?
2: I'll just, I'll just hover. I'll just hover bike you to death.
3: Yeah, no, right? That's, That's a...
1: like all. All these ideas, and then like a hover bike shows up, and it's just like there goes everything.
2: <laughs> Game over. It's okay. Bad days. It's okay. All right, what have you guys been working on, Eric?
3: I have lots of stuff. So I've got a uh, Moratz commission I've been working on for one of our friendly locals, mm. which you can only sort of see. We're doing uh, yellow armor with, some red stuff. It's not that bad. There's a technique, actually. Okay. Um, Jose, or Jose Da Vinci, I believe is his name. Okay. It's, a, it's an M- NMM technique that basically takes the complexity out of NMM without actually changing what it is so you watch angels stuff and you see just glaze 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 blend 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 this Uh is kind of the opposite instead of doing glaze 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 blend 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 it's like a layer blend layer blend layer blend and it's a just a glaze over what your transition point is and you just keep going with stark enough contrast along the way goes real fast so Mm -hmm. um I was blown away because I don't like NMM in general. Like, I'm the guy who paints Infinity with, like, metallics because I can, and I'm freaking lazy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. I was working on. I've been doing a lot of 3D printing. I got a 3D printer, and then it's just been darkness. Nothing but darkness. Um, Ooh, I didn't need that model anyway. Um, along with the some 28-mil Spartan stuff. Um and I decided, hey, what the hell? Let's do uh, 15 mil Imperial Romans and just all the crap is happening. Oh, yeah. I also have one of these things that I'm supposed to be building. But, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, me, me, me too.
3: Ask me again in six months. Right. Um, but, yeah. I've been just tons of those things and so much painting. That's my hobby land right now. Fair enough. Very nice.
4: Tony? Nice, yeah. I've mostly been working on uh Blood Bowl team. I've been playing a lot of Blood Bowl because they just started up a league in this area. So what are you playing? What nice. are you playing? Blizzardman. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's not,
1: okay.
0: It's not
4: halflings, but I'll I'll let it slide. Uh so far so good. Uh I got crushed in my last game. Well, I still won, but um like eight of my team was casualties by the end of it. So
0: Ugh. I I don't know how to
4: feel about that. Um but yeah, uh, I've been also painting a couple of HVTs for Infinity. I don't know if you can see it at all. Oh, yeah. Very great with my potato-quality webcam, but uh, this is just some 3D prints that I got off of Etsy and then uh, decided to paint up as HVTs. I think nice. they came out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And a random Yu Jing uh, character. I, I know this one, one is called. Sniper?
3: Like... Sniper.
4: Yeah, that's it. The Daoyang sniper, yep. Do you I don't that have guy? an army. I uh, just decided to paint it up, because why not? It's a cool model.
2: Yeah, it's a cool model. It's a fun profile, too. I feel like it's a it's an interesting include uh, for those uh, NCO lists, because people people expect the Daoyang. They don't expect the, the mine and then the sudden appearance of a sniper.
4: Yeah, for sure. That's that's uh, pretty scary. Multi-snipers are always very scary. Yeah, pretty rad. john has been in love with them.
2: They're, I, they're so good. This, they they like they they have all the correct uh all the correct range bands. They they solve all the problems that you might need. They have all the right ammo types. Those, they do all the things? Feels feels good. I like them a lot. There's a reason
3: why I still dread the new Atalanta profiles.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
3: it was bad before she had hidden deployment. Oh my and god! And now she's got hidden deployment or tr. What's more toxic? Choose one. Yeah, and not even like neurosynetics. Not like,
1: well, but we'll make her not good in the active turn. Like, no, no, just fold on to cards. It's all yeah. the time shooting all the dice.
3: Yeah. Why not both?
2: Well, all they need you to know. do is give her plus one burst, like now, and then we're, we're set.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would make SP hard to turn away from. That's yeah,
2: fine. for sure. Well, very cool. are already. I sadly have not gotten any games in because uh, I've been prepping this release we're talking about tonight, and I had a, a backlog of like nine infinity games to write because I played two tournaments pretty recently, and that is a fair amount of games, because then, you know, tournament prep, et cetera, et cetera. So no, hob- no hobby for me, although I did I did crunch through an entire Morat box in, like, a couple days, so that felt pretty good.
1: fun <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so like Yeah, they really are. Well, so I think that uh, wraps up hobby. Mm-hmm.
0: I like to do games. That's what
4: I like to do. Uh, uh, uh.
1: Let's talk about games.
3: Eric, what have you been playing? I've been playing Jovian Wars. This is a surprise. Um, I've been playing a lot of Jovian Wars playtesting. We haven't dabbled in some of the new mechanics. We're mostly focused on what's getting ready to release, slash I think may have just released. And uh, big focus on balance. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't it feel good? Why is it fun? What is wow, that's kind of screwed up, busted. We should probably take that down. Um, that's a lot of our game time. I um, also had some epic 30K, because, again, uh, got to paint them up and do something with them. Uh, I got to play Mortimer Glorium again and got Space Jammed in the most unfun way possible. Um, <laughs> uh, historical games, right? Right. So morale is a thing, and everyone oh. remembers morale for 40K, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um Morale and Mortimer Glorium really emulates the real life feel because it just takes one group of guys to start running away. And then, where did my whole army go? It just killed itself. Mm. I think I'm losing this game now. But I was about to win, but not anymore. And yes. And some of them wanted to go home to their families.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Ooh. I mean, I can't blame them, but. I really wish we'd kill them back harder. So that's most of my gameplay as of late. I've actually not gotten much Infinity in recently. I don't know what it means to have free time as of late. I and understand entirely. Day. Yep. So that's my games.
2: Tony, what about you?
4: Yeah, like I said, I'm playing a lot of Blood Bowl lately with the league that they started up in this area. And um, yeah, play testing some Jovian Wars. Which has I... been uh, really rewarding, actually. It's been it's been great to see how it has progressed so far, and I'm having a good time with it.
0: Yay! It <laughs> I'm
4: really excited success. about this. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm I'm jealous that you're playing in a blood bowl league. I would love to play in a blood bowl league.
2: I will. Yeah, I'll it's, happily it's play a lot my of fun. It's game.
4: crazy chaotic. Like uh, this last game, I played with uh, a guy that was um, playing corn and uh yeah like i said by the end of the game i had like four guys ko'd and four casualties he killed the saurus but i still won wow. two to oh so you know
1: i'll hey, take it i was gonna i was gonna ask how the new corn team is and i think you summed it up perfectly
4: yeah exactly <laughs> we just beat each other's faces up uh, constantly and my slippery skinks ran in there grabbed the ball and scored so you know whatever you won. guys out but yeah i won two to oh that's corn his big angry guy just stood there half the time. He kept rolling ones, yeah. uh, so he was just standing there doing nothing. Right when uh, he needed to go blitz me, he would just get so angry, he would just stand there.
1: Oh man, yeah, I'm. I'm just hearing about it makes me jealous. I I'm a huge halfling, uh, halfling and chaos dwarf uh, supporter, but. I've been wanting to get my uh, my corn team on the table because their new
4: rules just seem ridiculous. Like friends, frenzy on everything, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it bites you. it's bites you in the ass more than you'd think, but uh it's all also... Yep. Oh, pretty cool. Um
1: I only had one game <laughs> of Infinity. And it was a sad, sad game against John. Why why is that? Gonna... I don't, why were you sad? He, he is when you write it up to immortalize uh, how sad it was. So I got to put my Oyori on the table and then I got to take my Oyori off the table. Sure.
2: <laughs> in my defense, I did point to the camo token that you put it in front of. And I said, <clears throat> that's probably a Cataran. And you said, okay.
1: Yeah. Because the math in my head was fine. <laughs> and we looked it up and then my math wasn't totally bonkers. I just, as we also discussed, sure. I was putting way more up to ante than you were.
2: Yes, also true. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, roughly roughly equal odds. It's like okay, that's fine. Like I can take a couple equal odd shots, but I but I can't fail multiple equal odd shots uh, and be in a good place. Where if you failed, you lost a, t- a twenty one point twenty three. Yeah, Cataran. Yeah, like yeah. So this is this goes back to like just because the odds are in your favor and their odds aren't bad. You have to think about what you're wagering. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And I was wagering much more with my lieutenant Oyori than you were with your T2
3: Catarian.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah,
3: it was this a good time. All like experiences with JSA.
0: You know, yeah. I have got
3: good odds on this. I'll just frenzy this dude. Why am I dead? <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Um, but I mean, I mean, like,
1: this is just all part of the exploration of JSA for me. I really like the army. Um, it plays unlike anything else in Infinity um and so it is it is it does feel almost like learning the game again even though i know i know the game and i know the mechanics but i have no idea what i'm doing when i sit down at the table
0: mm-hmm.
1: or when i'm writing the army list even i'm like i like i know that double Ryuk and hrls is good and uh a Diokai with two paramedics or a paramedic and a port observer uh is also good and then everything else is like uh sure we'll put it out yo, there jimbo. The bells. yo
3: jimbo my friend is your Jim jimbo's a monster yeah he's great also double Ryukin nines in cover with submachine guns killer hackers that takes away away from my hrls don't don't need hrls not when you can just inflict neg 12s on people and make them deal with it not your problem their problem but
1: yeah i'm I'm enjoying it but that game was um i mean it's it's not often that we that we call a game early but like I think it was top of two or bottom of two. It was just like, there's n- there's nothing I can accomplish.
2: Yeah, it was top of two. <laughs> <laughs> it was
1: horrible.
2: Yeah. Well, we hear wow. all about it. Um, speaking of called games at the top of two. <laughs> I, no. So part of the reason that I haven't built my uh, Black Wind box yet is I'm running uh, a very heavy old model Steel Fan links list. So I played James. Uh, I think a couple uh, the day before I played you, um, and okay. my list was Hector, Pandora, Phoenix, Akmon, and a Link, uh, with four deploy Ajax and uh, Achilles, the big armor mimetism minus three one, uh, and then net rods and flashball spots. Um, yeah. Uh, Hector and Phoenix did everything, and Achilles took a nap.
3: This is my experience with (laughs) Achilles. (laughs) So,
2: he I spent one order. I sorry, I spent two orders on Achilles. He like shot at something because he was like in the right place to shoot at something in suppression outside of twenty four, and I was like, all right, sure, I guess. Yeah, it uh it went well, and then we were like, maybe we should stop now, because yeah.
3: sad Aww. trombone noises
2: yeah sorry James but uh, it, was a, it was a good game and it's allowing me to avoid building my black men box so I'm going to keep
1: playing this list there you go it lets you put that off a little bit longer exactly good
3: plan I'm not doing the same thing at all
0: <laughs> right
1: Um. well cool so before we uh, get into our mythic games giveaway how about uh, a little bit of media recommendation Eric I think you had uh, something you'd like to suggest <laughs>
3: We don't even want to go there. It's a dark thing. Um, So Macross Delta, which in line with uh, the mood of tonight, probably plays good. New movie's good. It's also not what I expected. So that's also a good thing. Um, The chorus recoil. So this is cute cute girls doing cute things normally. Um, But instead, they're doing counterterrorism, which is actually a lot of fun. Turned out really good. That just wrapped up. I also read Chainsaw Man. The manga coming up for the anime that's dropping, which I just saw the second episode like an hour ago. Holy crap. It's good. The hype is real. You should check it out. If you have any interest in like sort of modern anime, it's freaking gorgeous. And they did a really good job. I have been eyeballing
1: the chainsaw man. It's been kind of hard to uh, ignore. You can't. Seems like there's a lot of
4: hype around it lately. So I'll have to check it out. It's very good. It's where, where would up. one find it if they were interested?
3: Go to Crunchyroll. You can actually watch it legally with a relative simulcast I think compared to most of the stuff that you'd hunt down. So mm. that's nice. good. There you go. Um, and the last thing is I fell down a hole in Genshin Impact which sucks but it's actually compatible with my lack three times so yeah. That's a thing.
2: Yeah. I know those feels.
3: But that's me. <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah, I don't think I've uh, I've binged anything lately. <laughs> this is probably good.
2: Indeed, Tony. Any recommendations?
4: No, man. I'm mostly just been listening to audiobooks and hobbying a lot lately. Nice. So, okay. Trying to That's the get dream. rid of that giant closet of shame, and uh, I'm making a chip in it.
2: Yeah. No. I. I just. I. I sold. Oh, I, I sold slash gave away all my combined, and now I bought back in.
1: <laughs> Damn you, Eric! Is the lag. It's all Eric, <laughs> all Eric's fault.
2: Oh goodness!
1: Entirely Eric's fault.
2: Not this Eric, diff- more different Eric. But also blame all that. the Eric's. Question mark. How many Eric's?
3: I mean, we like do him. have different names for ours. <laughs> there you go. Actually, that's probably actually a good reference. So Colorado has so many like infinity people who are named Eric that we've started recycling KFC like, like just flavors to describe who is who. We have oh, original sure. recipe we have ghost pepper we have uh spicy we have the colonel which is me because i'm the only one from kentucky and just go <laughs> down the list it's
1: that sounds like organ with is. nates yeah there's at least 75 nates and i'm not sure how many duplicates yeah uh include right? in the portland area that play infinity indeed But all right, well, it is time. Let's do our Mythic Games sponsorship. Ship, 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 ship. All right, so uh, every week, Mythic Games provides one of our lucky listeners with $10 in credit to moe-games.com. All you have to do for your chance to win is say the magic word that, uh, Tony, it's your first time on the show, so what's the word that you prepared?
0: uh,
4: Space.
1: (laughs) All right, type the word space into chat (laughs) for your chance to win. Um, and we will push the push the button on the magic bot that John has set up, and so hey. we'll get, uh,
2: space, 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 space,
0: space. can see
4: that out of nowhere. I was very prepared.
2: Yep, hundred percent. I mean, that was actually probably one of the faster I know right? shots from the hip that we've seen.
1: <laughs> I was impressed. I was like, "Crap! Did he actually prepare?"
2: Yeah, right. It's like, what's happening?
1: What's funny is that it's always in the show notes that, like, guest, what is the magic word you'd like to choose for a drawing? Yeah. And zero times has the guest ever been prepared, which is kind of the fun part. (laughs) (laughs) This This is the
3: way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Great. Um... (laughs) All right, John, do you want to hit the
0: button? Let's do
2: it. Here we go. Who's it going to be? Hey,
1: it's energy. Oh, there we go. Um. Well, congratulations, energy for, uh, mm-hmm. for winning the, the, the thing. I'll go ahead and shoot you a message here, and to everyone else, uh, check out Mythic Games. They just put up the new pre-orders for next month for Infinity.
2: All right. All right.
1: It's, let's find the right button to thing. Here we go.
2: Without further delay, it's time for the main event. Don, this is your thing. It is my thing. All right. So if you're here, you've never heard of Jovian Wars before. What the heck is this thing? Well, Jovian Wars is a uh, fleet scale uh, spaceship game set in the Jovian Chronicles universe, which is basically modern Earth right into the future, right? So basically yeah, it's in the, the, in the year 2200-ish, yeah. right? And the idea is that uh, we're still in the solar system, we haven't figured it out faster than light travel yet. There's no aliens except for some like weird thing that hangs out in Jupiter's atmosphere. Um, but like that's it, right? So, you know, we're no proto molecule thing happening, it's just us humans being shitty to each other. Uh so <laughs> nothing new there. Um <laughs> But so uh, Jovian Chronicles, for those of you who don't know, is the RPG variant. Um, so, much like Heavy Gear RPG, went into Heavy Gear Blitz, right? Uh, you know, uh, Jovian Chronicles turned into uh, Jovian Chronicles Lightning Strike, and then now Jovian Wars. Uh, so, it's its own war game. Um, and so, eventually, I think the plan is to, you know, sort of merge it back in, much like uh, um, Heavy Gear, the RPG has a slightly more complicated combat system bolted on top of Heavy Gear Blitz, right? So, that's the same general idea, Um there's a factions you would expect, um, uh, sort of cl- involved with the various planets, right? So the obvious one is the is the Jovians. They're from Jupiter. More accurately, they're from the. You can't live on Jupiter. Um, you'd you'd be very dead. So you can hang out on the moons, right. and they also have a bunch of space stations that sort of hang out the Lagrange points. Um, so it's actually like a very spread out empire. And one of the cool points of the lore there is there this whole thing where. Um, they're one of their heroes, you know, sort of like flew around between all the various colonies and reunited them, which is kind of fun. Um and then you've got uh Venus and Mercury, right? So Venus is the uh I guess the space bank and so they've done some terraforming things. They have big domes on the surface and all kinds of stuff. Uh and then there's uh, Mercury and they sort of are the traders. Um they're uh they're sort of like the neutral party. They get to uh, trade with all the nations and and everybody gets mad that they're, you know, they're trading with who you're at war with, et cetera, et cetera. But they sort of run around and try to do all the the merchant guild stuff. Um and they're very closely allied with uh with Venus in weird, shady ways because Space Bank and Space Traders, right? It makes sense. Um And then there's there's Sega. So Sega is a central Earth government and administration. Uh and so Part of the reason why uh, all these planets sort of took off and had had their own little colonies and turned into uh, their own sort of nations is that Earth sort of collapsed for a while. And uh, they sort of went incommunicado and they started nuking each other and like bad things happened. There were wars and they just sort of disappeared. Um, then one faction won out and they're calling themselves Sega and they're like, oh, we're back. We're back on this on the political stage of the solar system and we're the bosses and you should all listen to us and everybody else is like wait hold on you sort of like disappeared for a while and now you're bossing us around that's not cool so tensions are rising and that's sort of where the uh, the RPG uh timeline story arc is um uh, there's like space elevator explosions and stuff so it's all, it's all good times um and then of course there's Mars and Mars is sort of like uh the place to have the proxy war so there's the Mars Federation versus, versus the the Free Republic um and so there's there's some lore associated with that. It's kind of like space problematic Germany versus space uh, cartoon America kind of situation. Um,
0: America,
2: yeah. So I mean, it's 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 uh it was written a, a while ago. We'll say we'll just leave it at that. Um, and then and then uh, for you Expanse fans, uh, there's Belters and they're called Nomads, effectively. So those are those are the things.
1: I am looking forward to uh, to the, both of those new. Uh, I guess not new factions, but n- newer to the uh, to the nature's game. Right.
2: So currently, we should probably start there. Right. So Jovian, yeah, yeah. Sega, and um, Venus are the factions that have been released. The two original ones are Jovians and Sega because they're the big they're the big superpowers. Right. You can sort of think of it um, not in the same way as like Russia versus the U.S. in the Cold War or like it's the Soviet Union, but like. You know, that, that same kind of scale, right? So, like, the two mega superpowers are, like, duking it out and everybody else sort of in their orbit, making deals and alliances, right? So, it's really Jovians versus Seek and everybody else sort of, like, doing other things around there and, like, adding to the the, pol- the political web of intrigue. Um, but, the you know, they're the two big powers. Um, so... Then Venus came along before i I started on the project uh, and so they were they were the the most I guess immature of the three factions um, so one of the things we've done in one two four is we've done a lot of work uh, thanks to these two fine gentlemen here who I can't thank enough for being amazing alpha testers for the game um, and so we went through a lot of that um, so yeah why why would you bother checking this game out well uh, if you are into spaceship naval warfare games. This is definitely in that vein. So if you like Battlefleet Gothic, Dropfleet Commander, Firestorm Armada, Halo Fleet Battles, like all of those things, and you're into that, and you want to see space lasers and rail guns and you know particle accelerators and missile swarms, that's that's your bag. And you want to push you know big capital ships around that uh, look more like what you would expect humans to design if they were obeying the laws of physics, right? Uh, this is this is the thing, right? Um, The one thing that I I really think Jovian Wars differentiates itself with is the fact that um, the squadrons are for realsies like part of the game. So if you look at all the other games we just mentioned, right? So, yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a a Venusian ship for you right there. um, And, uh, but the, but the squadrons have their own models. They're not like little tokens. Um, They have their own stat line, their own cards, um, so they're're they're, they're a peer of of the capital ships certainly not in damage output perhaps but right in terms of importance on the table um, and so you can upgrade them just like you can upgrade capital ships you, you know you you purchase them with points um, they have their own activation same as the capital ship um, and they interact with one another in capital
3: ships in cool interesting ways so yeah, they're assume... very much a big big part of um, thinking about it as a true combined arms game as opposed to true Thinking about it like, uh, oh, I've just got a bunch of caps that are going to shoot each other across the board. Think uh, like in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where you've got just millions of starships shooting at each other across yep. the way. Squadrons really make it split. Apart.
1: Yep. Right. I will say, like, from, from a field perspective, you mentioned the Gothic and Dropfleet Commander. But in both of those games, squadrons are essentially tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually, it feels more like the way you see a uh honestly the way you see like a battle go down when you're watching like macros right mm-hmm. like the the squadrons are kind of the exciting back and forth while the capital ships pummel each other away from from a distance um it is a much more engaging game around because of the squadrons instead of the squadrons just like i said just representing like a thing that will cause a point of damage in a turn if you don't you
0: know
4: just turn it Yeah, a huge me. part of this game is is screening, you know, making sure that you have some squadrons to intercept their own because if you leave it your caps undefended, then there's a pretty good chance their bombing run will just gut your your major destroyer or battleship. Um yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting part of the game for me.
1: And and maybe because of that it actually feels more like carrier battles mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling like um you know, Battlefleet Gothic is an like an old, you know, maybe even pre-World War II era um naval combat simulator. Right? Like it, it does have fighters and bombers, but they're less relevant than than you know Age of Aircrafts, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so it, it definitely does have a stark contrast to Battlefleet Gothic, where it does feel like a more modern style of combat is occurring.
3: It also has a lot of it having squadrons presence really changes how the shapes of fleets take in various like capacities. Uh, thinking like Venus, Venus needs to lean into its squads because, uh, it's only got so many kinds of defenses that can keep it alive. So by packing a lot of squads, you end up with these really odd looking fleet combinations compared to say a Sega group, who's going to be shoving the biggest, scariest capital down your face. And then just swarms of like super cheap, super cheap squads. Um, But Venus also packs the Alpha Predator squad of pretty much any squad out there for a pretty good price. So you see this really interesting split out of what it looks like on the table versus how it looks like in uh, how you would imagine it too, which is very fun. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. really cool.
2: Like that. You can totally beam sort of Mecha in half if you want in this game. That's like a legitimate thing. Another thing that I really want to capture in the game as much as is, is reasonably possible is the Itano Circus. So if you don't mm. know what that is, it is the anime missile swarm. Uh, it was coined, it was, you know, sort of started with a, a dude named Itano who was in the animation business. Uh, you can go look it up in the uh, the rules release. I have like a link to an article on it. It's really interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, so
1: the Atana Circus?
2: it is really called the Autano Circus. Yep.
1: I oh, know it's really called the. I didn't know there would be an article.
2: Yeah. On it. It's for reals. He's that thing. Uh, like apparently, as a kid, he like strapped a bunch of bottle rockets to a bike, lit them all up, and then like drove through the center of town or something, or like rode his bike to the center of town, like shot fireworks <laughs> everywhere. Which. That's
4: an amazing story.
3: Which feels um, on brand for for like what he ended up animating, right? That's it's uh, it's actually fun because that's a mechanic in this game for yeah. all intents and purposes. And that's something you don't see in most games. Like, you interact with the combat. You interact with missiles. You yes. don't just point and click, yeah. um, which we yeah, can kind really of there's really interesting
4: mechanics going on where you uh, have to balance your offense and defense in dogfights. And uh, also, you have your missiles always fire off before... The dogfight even begins, so that's something you have to weigh in as well. Uh, if a if a fighter is launching a ton of missiles at you, uh, you know you might want to invest a lot more defense dice into trying to defend that um, than just going full offense. And, and that's a, a really cool mechanic I, I've enjoyed a lot.
0: Yay! <laughs> All
2: <laughs> right, so. Man. So, so what does this uh, 1.2.4 launch actually mean? Well, so the first three factions, Jovian, Siga and Venus, are like stable-ish. They have distinct faction identities that make sense. There's mechanics now that aren't that don't feel as bolted on as before. Um, some of the old keywords that sort of were like whatever now actually do something. Um,
3: we've Give made a couple. What's up?
1: Do you have some examples for? For those of us that haven't kept up on this, I've got story. a
3: great one. Yeah, go for it. But let's talk about jammer. Sure. Sure. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jammer is a, a very. There's one model that has a jammer. It's one of the Venus ships. I'm gonna. You're gonna hear a big Venus bias because I've been, I have been the victim of lots of pain and suffering. Um. So Venus has a thing called a jammer. It's on a Huang Ti jammer boat. This does one very, very potent thing. In the old rules, it did nothing, which is fine. So uh, why are we paying so many points for this thing? Uh, You're paying so many points for this thing because if you're within six inches of this model, missiles just turn off. Oh. There are no... You do not hit something with missiles within that radius, but you can shoot your missiles out from within the jammer bubble. So what that turns into is a big paint... Painting a giant thing on this saying, please kill me. Which is why you also see another thing called ECM sitting on that book. Which there's yeah. another very uh, updated purpose, I believe, from how it used to function. Um, nowadays, ECM diminishes damage that comes to you unless you bring a way to counteract it. So, someone rolls a double. At this model, uh, nothing happens. Someone rolls a triple on this model, nothing happens. Oh, you wow. have to roll a quad to even hit it, unless you bring ECCM to the table, or you bring a TD and you shoot missiles at it. But it missiles don't it. work, so trade-offs.
1: Gross.
2: Yeah. Or you Gross. just send your you send your uh, your squad after it and bombing run it.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, or you just I didn't have with the the
2: beam laser.
4: Yep. Which works Which is really exactly good. Exactly what I did. Dojo games and It worked.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's important to have people hang uh, another squad's hanging out in front of this guy to protect it, right? So all of those kinds of things. Um a couple other big mechanic changes that are really more quality of life and gameplay speed improvements was we've added attack modifiers. So those of you who play Infinity will recognize these as sort of like plus three minus three BS mods for mimetism or cover, etc. And so just like, so I mean, first of all, um, Jovian Wars is a naval war game. Uh, Therefore, positioning matters a lot. Facing matters a lot. uh, And you should be rewarded for getting behind or in the flank arc of an enemy ship, right? Because it took you a lot of thought and resources to get your ship or model in that position. Uh, So you should get a bonus, right? But what ended up happening was we created all we had this big table where it was like all right if you're in the flank arc you get additional uh, flex dice but then like if you have a bigger gun you get more macro but if they have armor you reduce the macro but then like if you shoot more guns at it you get this bonus and it was getting way too complicated and you have to remember all these things so we just said all right if you're in the flank you get you know plus one if you're in the rear you get plus two if you're close you get plus one Uh, if they have armor you get minus whatever their armor value is and then you total all that up and you get a final result. Right? And that final result is going to be your, um, your attack modifier. And then you just consult in one table. Uh, and that oh, cool. one table basically uh, is pretty straightforward. Let me just pull it up real quick. There it is. So basically, um, if your attack modifier is zero, nothing happens. If you have a plus one to your attack modifier, you just get an extra die. Straight up. You get a base die, period. Uh, everything after that gets a little weaker, right? So, this is diminishing returns for additional attack modifier. You start off with plus one base die, then you get plus one base and plus one flex. Everything after that is macro. Uh, and then everything negative, because you can go negative now, right? So, like just like mm-hmm. you can in Infinity, if you're shooting at a no DD target in cover, you're at minus nine before range modifier. So, uh, that basically means you're not hitting as hard. Um, so, you lose macro dice, or maybe even go negative on macro. So, this. Changes everything into a really, really fast calculation, as opposed to having to like be like, all right, well, what is what is uh, all the bonuses I get again? You just calculate the thing, and once you sort of internalize this table, it gets very quick. Um, so here's here's a here's a quick example of like what might happen, right? So if you're close to something, you get a bonus. It's easier to hit because you're close to it. If it's super far, you get minus three because it's really hard to hit. Uh, if you're in the flank, you get a plus one. In the rear, you get plus two. If you're obscured, you get minus, et Etc. et cetera, right? So it just it just keeps going and going. So all, all these kinds of things, you get all kinds of bonuses.
3: We've even Another done... big difference that you can yeah. really call out now is this. You'll see this apply generally. This isn't just one situation. This applies in dogfights. This yep. applies in bombing runs. Mm. This applies all across the board. So you're learning a single table
0: mm-hmm. to
3: play... Ninety percent of the game, as yeah. opposed to, oh crap, I have to do this in a bombing run, and I have to do that in a dogfight, but oh, I'm doing this kind of skill check, so this is all—it's all the same yep. structured.
2: Yeah. So Link, for example, has changed a lot. So Link used to be—you um, just roll multiple dice for so multiple attacks for the same expenditure of fire control. Now mm. you just get a you know a plus one attack bonus per additional weapon. So, if you're linking your base gun plus another gun in the same arc, you get an additional die for the first one. The second one, you get an additional die and a flex. So, this part of the, this sort of an elegant, because one of the bits of feedback that we got from the Houston uh, playtest crew was that Link was entirely too powerful and the Jovian sure. Alexander was rolling three particle cannon shots and just deleting stuff. So, this fixes that because you roll, you know, one time with bonuses. The bonuses are, are bounded in their ability to generate hits, so it you know you still get the benefit of having um, these additional weapons, which you can use to shoot other things if you want, or if you want to you know better guarantee a hit, you can spend more resources doing it that way. Um, other like like Eric was saying, other things that you can do that are really neat um, is it used to be the case that um, when you have ships close together firing their point defense at incoming missiles, for example, or incoming fighters. And you want to shoot your point defense lasers or your your uh, um your um sea uh sorry sorry sea whiz right um uh or sea ram stuff that like uh, uh in the expanse, right? The little pop-up turret with all the tracers. Mm-hmm. Right. So other ships can support you, right? You can, you know, you can invent your favorite space magic where you have like tele- slave telemetry, blah blah blah. blah. And so you can work together shoot shoot down the missiles. It used to be you get like you know flex dice for every ship within three. Now you just get an attack bonus. So anytime you get a benefit now it's just an attack bonus. Uh, And then this allows us to do things like um, give certain weapons a distinct bonus to make them very different, right? So it it opened up some design space as well. So for example, there is uh, um, the Agaris Mercury Fighter, which has uh, some fancy laser system that has like a big you know redirection gizmo thing called the sirocco laser projector and so to make that more interesting it has plus one flex all the time right in addition to whatever whatever um uh uh you know bonuses it might get from being in your back arc or something so things like that uh has really made everything simpler it was less to remember which speeds up the game one of the big issues that you know we had at it when we've been playtesting is like we we play test during the weekday because that's what time we have. And it's like 1130 and we're halfway through turn three. And we're like, what is happening? Why is this so long?
3: And you roll my 85 attacks to do one point of damage.
2: Yeah, exactly. So
3: actually we have a really good measure for that before we had the table, the average game during play testing would take about eight ish hours. Yeah.
4: These two guys are champs, by the way, (laughs) So, now we've got it down to about a three, I think. it yeah. was, was our latest game. Yeah, which is three which is hours. where it's supposed to be.
3: Yeah. It's not only three hours; it's three hours with stop and ask a question about the rules, with stop, take pictures and post about what has happened, building a bower report as we're playing. Yeah. If you're really. just playing, you're getting close to like a tournament length game, which that's is cool. interesting, and that's we. We've been doing most of our playtesting about 300 TV. That's a, a you see 300 thrown around a lot, kind of like you see four by four table sizes thrown around a lot. Um, it actually works pretty well. And as the game has evolved, we've added things like cargo, which has allowed you to spend more money or more TV mm-hmm. on things. Or if you play Venus, you'll see some of the fleet cards only have hard points listed. They don't have weapons on there. You have to buy your weapons now. So you're investing in ships and you're investing in layouts, which is some of the customization that was lost at the initial change, but we're starting to add back in now at um, different points of the game. So your complexity starts at the beginning before you even step to the table, as well as when you're in in the game doing things.
1: Right. That's kind of interesting. I have a theory about 300. Um... Okay it's it it is a it is a a big brain game theory and that is the ideal game size no matter what game you're playing is 2 to 400 um, points okay so that includes 40k and people are like oh but like 40k is 2000 points right but like before the new edition where they added a ton of unnecessary granularity it was uh, 2000 base 5 so it was 400 points right age of sigmar is 2000 points and with the odd uh, you know unit that has a, a five point cost is all base 10 points um infinity is is 300 points and has 300 points of granularity um that's probably and my... six
3: swc which is a nice pretty divide
1: yeah exactly um so yeah th- two to two to four hundred points like if you if you start looking at all the different games that we've we've played john and where we do play yeah um that does actually often work out to the uh, right amount of granularity for uh, miniature games.
3: Hmm. That's my theory. Interesting. I, I like really that theory.
0: That. Yeah.
3: And one thing I will point out, we've tried a couple different levels of TV trying to like scale out what makes sense. Um, if you get to like 250 to 200, you struggle to build lists in Jovian Wars. Uh, you can't bring a lot of things or you bring so few sure. things that you don't have choices or you get out activated really hard, which is another concept we haven't really dug on much, but uh, when you get to 300, you got flexibility.
1: And that makes sense. And that was something that like when, when John and I were developing the heavy gear blitz tournament system, like the reason why we ended up putting in the, the uh, combat group cap was because of that. Like at a certain point, especially when you have an alternating activation game, activation economy becomes super important. Yes. Um, And so like what you were saying, when you go down to like 200 points of Jovian Wars, you end up basically end up forcing players into an activation arms race where they have to take extra activations instead of taking more powerful units. Um,
4: Yeah, I think 300 is that sweet spot where you have, uh, you're kind of limited, you're narrow in your scope, you can't take everything you want. But you you have to make hard choices, but you also are able to include a lot of cool combos or well on, you know it's whatever. Like it, it's just Come a on, nice sweet spot. What
1: was that? Give me my three Poseidons. That's all I want to put on the table. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: Oh man. All right. Well,
1: let's talk about some unit
2: changes that we've done. Um, I just I'll just yeah. sort of like chug through a few of the big changes. Uh, all the stuff is of course in the rules um if you want to check it out you can go to jovianwars.blog the top post there is a link to all of the stuff we're we'll talking about today so i'll point you to one spot instead of pointing you to three spots all the links are in the thing so here here's just to prove it you know here's here's the here's the article i'm talking about boom rules fleet cards right and then me rambling on for on, on and on and on okay so one of the things that i wanted to do early on and we were sort of struggling with was um you know venus is supposed to be The stealth faction, Uh, the the lore is their their ship hull is basically a big flat screen TV, Um, and so uh, part of that is it's their like sort of stealth slash cloaking system, so they can you know turn the ship all black. It's OLED right, so you don't have backlight stuff. But anyway, um, so uh, you you can actually project whatever you want and have like active camo effectively. Um, so we had some mechanics for that where where you could um, you know have stealth or cloak or ECM and we were kind of like well maybe that plays with sensor ranges and and uh, yeah, we, we can we can add some some traits that counteract that and it, it never felt right right we were always like well is this costed appropriately uh, is this too complicated I always forget that this exists um, and so we were like well what if we just had like, a signature, kind of like in Drop Fleet Commander, right? And so ships just have a signature rating, uh, and you can see it here. It's in the uh, it's in the bottom, you know, right-hand corner of the capital ship card. And that's just how far away you can see it, right? So uh, it used to be the case that uh, squadrons are visible at three inches away plus three times your sensor rating, and capitals were six plus three times your sensor rating. Now it's your signature, plus three times your sensor rating. So every additional sensor rating you have is an additional three inches of visibility. And then your sensor mm-hmm. rating defines how, how uh, far you are if the guy has zero sensors. So a standard, you know, sort of uh, smaller capital ship like this forge here is, uh, is six inches, right? So same as before. Most squadrons are three inches, just as they were before. Most capital ships are six inches. So that hasn't changed. But this did open some up, uh, up some nice design space where, like, a God's Fire, which is really big, right? It's a big uh-huh. command carrier with all these weapons, and it's, like, a big honking chunk of, um, of uh, resin on the table. That's Signature 9. And then the Gagarin, which can hold one of these ships in it, is Signature 12.
1: Physically in the model, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Physic- it's huge. Right. It's like it's like, it's that, that 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 cylinder in the back, it's like a Red Bull can.
2: Yeah. It's it's crazy big. So I mean, it didn't make any sense that you couldn't see it further away in game, right? But now you can. Um so that, that felt right.
1: Um well yeah, it also makes sense because like a Grigaran isn't made for combat. They're not trying to like sensor dampen it. They're not trying to like yeah. make sure there's no radiation leakage. Like they don't care, they just need to fly this thing from point A to point B.
0: Yep. So exactly.
1: Move. So you know, that opened up a
2: lot of other uh tweaks that we could do. So Venus ships are just lower signature, period. Right? So there that's how we solved that problem.
3: Um, yeah. A great example is like the biggest Venus capital has the same signature as the smallest Venus capital. Yep. And every squad is one. It's yep. very hard to find them.
4: It yep. used to be stealth was minusing from your sensor range which was kind of awkward because you had to multiply your sensor range by your you know, sensors and then add you, know, you three or six and then subtract from the stealth and it was just kind of confusing but now it's a lot cleaner i feel like
2: yeah for sure and that's all we, we did to preserve that
4: we did preserve that to some extent
3: in the way that the stealth mechanic exists today which is another good kind of like touch point yeah, which is uh, stealth as it existed back then, functioned wildly different than it does now. Nowadays, you're just six inches further away from missiles, mm-hmm. which is another thing that has pretty drastically changed over what you used to do.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about that really quick. So what we just talked about was normal conventional shooting. You're shooting lasers or kinetic weapons at stuff, rail rail guns and that sort of thing. So you're saying you need the sensor lock to shoot at it um and then uh you you fire right so if you're either in range or you're not Um, missiles however have their own targeting computers their own propulsion systems they constantly update their their targeting solution as they continue moving uh through space because the target's moving you're moving right you have your own sensor package so um the governing range on the sorry the the mechanic that governs the range of a missile both Modern, you know, physics today and in this future space magic game, right, is propellant. Eventually, you you run on a propellant and you can't, you have no more reaction mass, so you can't change your trajectory anymore. You are on a, a terminal path. You're just going to keep going in the direction you're going, right? There's no friction in space. You just go in the line you were going in mm-hmm. uh, and then you, the ship can just dodge you, right? Um, so that's how we, we handled that. Um, basically, every single... Um, every single missile type has has a has a different uh, range now. So uh, anti-capital missiles are just 18-inch maximum range. Once you go beyond that, they just sort of are useless. Anti-squadron, right? They're smaller. They're more nimble. They burn more reaction mass because uh, they need hmm. to accelerate harder to catch up with the squadron. 12-inch range. Uh, cluster munition missiles are just fancier anti-squadron missiles. So same range. Uh, nukes are in the game too. We'll talk about that in a second. So nukes are 18-inch um, range because they're sort of anti-capital. Uh, and then there's swarm uh, missiles, which are intended. To, uh, the the mechanic there is you take the volume that you would spend on a normal missile and you divide that volume into many submunitions. And the reason you would do that is to increase the targeting problem uh, complexity for the defending uh, ship. Right. So if I have to shoot down one thing, that's one thing. If I shoot down seven or eight things that are moving in erratic patterns, that's a much harder problem to solve. Of course, if you reduce the volume, you have to obey the laws of physics. Um, so you have you have less reaction mass, uh, and your warheads are, are, are less potent because you just have less stuff to explode, right? So they, they, uh, they don't hit quite as hard, um, and they don't travel quite as far. So that's what swarm missiles do. And then there's torpedoes. And torpedoes get around uh, the 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 reaction mass problem by having a railgun shoot them first. So the railgun shoots them first; mm. they travel away uh, under you know just normal inertia power, and then they kick in their own propulsion and then home in on the target. So that's that's how we we handle cool. that.
1: Yeah, it also makes the the missiles feel a little bit drone-like. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what you can imagine missiles would probably be in the future. Yep. Or really, honestly, oh, yeah. not that much further in the future.
2: Yeah. Um, so nukes are actually AOEs now. So um, it used to excuse be the case. What? <laughs> What's that? I have excuse a great me, story what? for this. <laughs>
1: There's AOEs now I've in space.
2: Yep. There
3: are AOEs in space.
2: So it's not so much placing a template. It's resolving a particle att- a cannon attack at everything within a radius. Oh, Nice. Right. So, it...
4: And when capital ships explode, they do the same thing. Yep. Uh, so that can cause a chain reaction that can mess up a fleet, which I believe is Eric's story. Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, so uh, Tony took advantage of a
3: couple key things. He brought Sega. He brought a nuke. And he took advantage of one of the f- ways that Venus now has to play. Venus plays clustered together in general. You cluster together around your jammer. Around uh, CMM missiles are unique in that they're a bonus defense, a different point defense than everyone else uses. So you're very much encouraged to cluster. And he flew a nuke into the back of a lightly damaged capital ship, which caused a chain reaction and blew up two capitals deleting the one that was hit and then killed about four or five squads, some of his own, uh, and just this massive chain reaction of just things dying over and over again, which is why, one, you can only bring one. (laughs) But two uh, also kind of shows the importance of one of our other mechanics, which is uh, nukes escalate by default.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Target designators also escalate results which means nukes double escalate. If you have a TD in sensor range, it does horrific things. Yeah, so
2: target designators escalate uh, missile attacks if you are in sensor range, right? That's what they are now, as opposed to using other people's sensors to extend your sensor range. That's what they do now. Um, Because it it got kind of weird with missile propellant ranges and all that kind of stuff, so we just did that. Uh, This is an active area of balance exploration. I wouldn't mm-hmm. count on this being this way the entire time. Right now, it feels okay, but uh, we have a pretty small playtester pool right now. You're you're looking at it right, plus the guys in Houston. Um, so uh, please help us test and give us feedback on what you guys think. Uh, we'll continue doing what we're doing, um, but you know uh, we're all biased in our own way. Um, but I want to talk about uh, that scenario you described a little bit more. Um, because Venus is particularly susceptible to particle cannon hits that are coming from nukes. Um, so you may have seen other cards with you know multiple redundant system boxes. So part of the lore of Venus is that they have very small crew complements. Um, so they do a lot of automation and redundant systems. So you can sort of see that here, right? So a redundant system, let's take a look at this defense line on this SAR, right? If I hit it once, I drop its defense from three to two because I cross off the three. If I hit it again, it's still defense two because I have redundant defense systems, right? Because I have a bunch of you know automation and, and redundant power conduits or like whatever space magic thing you want to say. Now, mm-hmm. if I hit it with a particle cannon, though, um, you take out all the redundant system boxes, right? So if I hit it with a particle cannon when it's reduced to two, Defense. I cross off all the twos, all three of them, which gets really bad.
3: But not only does that apply to the systems. If you look below the bar, you'll see yep. structure also functions the same way now. Oh. Yep. Which means Venus ships, if crit by a particle accelerator, is having a or particle cannon is having an extremely bad day.
2: Yeah. Very, very fast. fast. Yeah, so they're hard to hit. They are quite maneuverable, um, and uh, you know they hit like trucks as well. But if you hit them with the right thing, they're very sad. So it's a it's a inbuilt weakness. And one of the things that I like about this um, is that um, a lot of times when you do war game design or game design you look for interesting ways for units to be good at stuff um i firmly believe you should also look for interesting ways for units to be bad at stuff um so you you want to find things that uh are are unique weaknesses uh so your players can feel feel big-brained when they uh discover something like this
0: right
3: Yeah, it's also very cool with Venus because Venus was playing non interactively before we kind of alluded to it with uh, playing with range band sensors. And it was just tricky, like you're either shooting Venus and having fun or you're chasing Venus and hating everything. Yeah. And what this did instead is say, ah, you can shoot Venus even from far away now, maybe not super effectively, but if you shoot him with like. I don't know, a class three linked particle cannon and you hit. Yeah. Venus is having the worst day they yeah. could have had. Yeah. And that's awesome to see happen.
4: Yeah, they're really defensive, but not in a tanky way, if that makes any sense. It's a it's a different way of, of being tanky, which is pretty cool to play with.
2: Yeah, they have they have high AC, but it's from dex.
3: <laughs> they are dex tanks to yeah. the T exactly Um Thacko John oh god <laughs> get out of here neg 8 I think is the right answer Right. Oh boy they got like two hit points um, so a couple other
2: things that we've done is uh, we've added a couple of uh, fun new actions so going back so there's two things uh, I want to talk about one uh, chasing Venus right they're still hard to hit they might be out of sensor range but you can always fire your missiles right um, stealth right is a way to help Venus with that, because it reduces missile range by six, but you know you still have the option to shoot missiles at them, even if they're playing weird sensor tricks with you, as long as you get them outside of their jammer bubble. So they have the tools, but you also mm-hmm. have tools to remove their shields, like their their defensive mechanisms. You can negate them. You have to spend your own resources to do so, but you can always do it. Um, so just Where options. Where was your jammer? What's up?
1: Where was your jammer?
3: Yeah, um, right? Jammer didn't do that yet. That was why I lost my thing.
2: Yeah, okay. So other things that we've added are the hard burn action. So I really like this one. Basically, the idea. So going going back to uh, to movement really quickly. So the way movement works is you can see the sort of uh, chevron icon that says two right under the word heavy and heavy cruiser. So that's the SARS speed, right? It's always going to move two inches. Uh, and so like, sorry, it's, it's always, it's base movement is two, and then you could add or subtract up to the current thrusters rating. And basically what that means is it has some inertia and some, you know, oomph from its main drives. And then it's got, it can burn reaction mass to either fire its retro rockets or fire the rockets, uh, in behind to make it go faster. So a fully, um, uh, uh intact undamaged SAR, can go two plus or minus three, so it can actually go backwards an inch if it wants. Um, oh. So that's how that's how movement works. As you damage it, uh, it gets less and less able to do that. So if you take out all of its thruster boxes, it's going two inches forward. That's it. Yeah, right.
3: Just one inertia It's also only turning once. Now. It's
2: also only turning once. Right. So that's it. Right. It's just it's just gonna it's just gonna go straight. Um, so what what hard burn does is it doubles your speed. Right, so that two becomes a four. So you are going way faster, right? Uh, so you can go up to seven inches a turn, um, but you are doubling your speed for two turns, not just one. Oh, right. So cool. y- you got to know when you want to do it, right? So this is very often something you might want to do if. Um, you know, you you're starting off the game. You're in your deployment zone. You see the thing you want to go pounce on and shoot all your short-range fighters at and do you know initiate a bombing run or whatever. So I'm just going to hard burn at the beginning. This is kind of a no-brainer thing. You're there. You 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 want the extra speed on your next turn anyway, so this sounds great. Um, what this also lets you do is that sort of X-wing maneuver, right? So like the X-wing in the game where you do that long five, right? And that will help you right now, but not if they turn around, right? Yeah. So, so there's all these like kind of little things that you can do once you get into the fur ball, uh, and you're like, "Do I hurt burn now?" I don't know. I always want to like one of the key design tenets of Jovian Wars is like, I want to give you a decision, uh, and and there always should be a trade off, right? It should always be like there should always be a dilemma for you to solve. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's always a, a good time, um, and then uh, and easier sorry, way to
1: overextend yourself.
2: Yeah, exactly right. So you can also fly off the table if you're not careful. Um, so that's something you need to worry about too. We've also introduced the idea of uh, character upgrades, right? So we have a couple of um, sort of crew slots that you might have. So this is this is a SEGA only crew option called Eager Captain. It goes in the captain slot of your capital ship. Guess what, there's only one captain. So if there's a different type of captain that you want to put in there, too bad, you chose one of them. Um, and basically what this means is when you choose hardburn it's hard burn three instead of two. So that means you're hard burning for three turns, not two. Oh, so that captain is really going for
3: it,
1: but you only have to issue it once. And you have to do it
3: three for three turns. Yeah. That's what makes it so potent. Yeah. So another cool thing about, um, hard burn, hard burn is, was one of those things we came up with when we were playing chase the Venus game. Um, Chase the Venus game is no fun. Um, but what Venus learned in reply is Venus likes using hard burn a lot mm. because it's already kind of quick at first. Because as soon as you hit them once or twice, they're they're done. Uh, that's a very much a theme with the Venus fleet. You oh, thrusters, their thrusters go down and they can't go anywhere. Yeah, you can't go anywhere. Your agility doesn't matter. And hard burn will either buy you a chance to get away, <laughs> which is sure. uh, often what I did. Hide
4: behind the big moon. That'll save me, right? It doesn't, if you don't get there. Or, we'll pass them and turn around and shoot them in the butt with missiles. You know, that also happens.
1: Yeah, we, we need so. we need art for this, John, which is just the big red button. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, the, go, the go
3: faster button.
1: Yeah. So I imagine
3: the expanse and then hitting into uh, getting jacked in full of chemicals so they can go real far yes, real yes, fast. Yes,
2: exactly. Uh so you've seen that we we've added back uh some some upgrades. Uh we've talked about um uh hard points and, and weapon options. So one of the other things that we did uh is we've changed we've changed all um all weapons to be various classes. So for example, um here's here's a weapon table right so you can the, these exist primarily for venus or, or mars who have a bunch of hard points but basically um a kinetic cannon one is anti-capital rating two anti-squadron rating two uh macro zero uh kinetic cannon two is better in all respects and kinetic cannon three is better in all respects yet again uh sorry better in macro um and it costs more right so uh the thing that was kind of annoying in terms of uh, developing point costs for ships and stuff and remembering like what the hell was going on when you're looking at your ship cards is that we were tuning individual ship uh, kinetic cannons differently. So in the same mm-hmm. fleet, you know capital like as Poseidon versus a Narwhal, even though the guns on the model are the same, like one might have one more point here or there than the other. And that was like driving me bonkers in my spreadsheet. Sure. So we just got rid of all of that. And now you either have a kinetic cannon, one, two or three, or you may have a spinal kinetic cannon, right? So there's four classes of weapons, one, two, three spinal. Um, I think and that drastically
1: simplified everything. There's there's one, two and three barreled versions of these. Exactly.
2: Things. Right. So might as well just lean into what the models are telling us. Um, so that's what we did. So you can sort of, if you scroll through the fleet, The fleet builder you'll see all the various uh uh, sorry all the various uh weapons and also the cost for all the arcs and stuff because they all cost differently right so uh, if you have a turret beam projector it costs more because you can shoot in every direction but if you have an aft beam projector it's not as useful so it's super cheap right so that's sort of the way that works Um, we've also added uh cargo so this was a problem that i faced when uh, sort of beginning the design process for Mars and Mercury. So um, Mars is definitely the proxy war world. And so um, they keep buying and getting issued, you know, there's certainly no modern day equivalent to this. Nope, not at all. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so they keep getting, you know, cast off equipment um, and they have to repurpose a lot of like cargo ships. Uh, Mercury, of course, being the trade, you um, the trading guild, right? The merchant guild is mostly cargo ships and then a couple of warships and stuff to defend against pirates. Um, So how does one make a war game where you have a bunch of cargo ships and you're like, cool, great. I have cargo. I have a bunch of kumquats. Great. For what reason? Yeah. So, um, and then of course there were there were other ships like the Appalachian in Siga, which is a cargo ship and that just sort of had a gun on it. People were using it to have hangers in there. Um, and so you're know, like, well, what if we just had a cargo mechanic and you know, where you could just buy upgrades? And so this, this Appalachian here has cargo four. And that means you can buy up to four slots worth of cargo. And that is pretty straightforward, right? So here's an example. Uh, here's a generic cargo upgrade, which costs one TV and it has one cargo slot, so you can, I mean, you don't need four of these, but you could buy four of them and put them into an appellation, right? There's no reason to, you only need one, but just for the sake of understanding how the list building mechanic works, you can do that. And this basically means you have reloads for your drones. If you don't have this, you can't reload your drones. Too bad, so sad, right? Um, so you got you to buy reloads for some stuff. Uh, but it starts to get really interesting when you start looking at some more fun upgrades, right? So a hidden hangar. So this is one cargo, but it costs four TV. And what this is, uh, is you may have a, (coughs) sorry, a single use hanger. So you deploy a squadron at deployment, your opponent does not know about it. uh, And all of a sudden in the middle of the game, when they're flying their, uh, their squadron in to attack your ship, surprise, there's an interceptor that popped out of a cargo container and is now barreling down their face, right? So things like that can happen. Um, hidden information is definitely something we're going to lean very heavily into in Jovian Wars, because it's space. It's the cold, dark emptiness. You don't know what's out there in the void. It should be scary. Um, and so this is just one of the many examples, right? So secret, secret guns, secret nukes. Are going to be uh, cargo options, right, for certain factions, and so we'll release some some stuff. Uh, I'm planning on releasing an infinity baggage like rule, so like Mercury gets points for carrying actual
1: cargo around. That's their job. They should get rewarded for that. Um, please, please make one of them a fire ship option.
2: Oh yeah, don't worry, that's happening. It's I mean, coming. You you you've already got that, right? So fire ships are. Uh, so the Icarus is oh, yeah, a is is you know it's uh it's full of fuel you crash it into stuff
1: and it blows up i guess i don't I, I I like the idea of it being a surprise fire ship
2: uh yeah so there's there's also the hlv um which was oh, a, which is a very funny uh funny ship you'll note that it has thrusters three and speed eight
3: and <laughs> <When> it absolutely <laughs> God, has, fast.
2: It has no brakes <laughs> the brake has one
3: cut. turn yeah <laughs> But
2: it has 12 cargo
1: <laughs> i'm so, all about hlvs
2: as soon as possible yeah so so robert robert uh you know the the ceo of dp9 was like i don't know if we saw any of these i was like hold my beer <laughs> we'll figure out a way
4: if i could use that as a kinetic missile i'm so in well, right? So sure, just
1: just fill up all the cargo containers with ball bearings and you're good to go
4: yeah so
2: that's actually a mechanic too um So there's a debris dispenser, which is available to Mars for this reason. Um, and it allows one use of the deploy to debris field action, which is exactly that. You spew, spew ball bearings in a cloud around you, and anything flying through that cloud takes damage.
3: As someone who's dealt with a lot of kinetic damage overall, um, you don't want to play with this, um, yep. leaning into things like
4: suppressive fire. Mm-hmm oh yeah, I suppress Jovians, or not Jovians, Venus every chance I get.
2: Yeah, so um, one of the That's other what... things about uh, that Venus sort of showed us was that it it feels kind of bad when you're shoving your ships around the table and you don't get to do anything to Venus. So uh, also, like, it just seemed reasonable. Like, you know, that uh, without, I guess I don't want to spoil the expanse for anybody, but, you know, in space, uh, you need to sort of, I guess, shape other people's movement so you can kind of do it like I guess a good example is like an in infinity. You can put something in suppressing fire, and like people generally don't want to go there, right? Or if there's in fire lane that they have a they have a hard arrow watching it. Um, so you can sort of shape people's movements. What we decided to do for Jovian Wars is that you can expend your shooting action to suppress a target ship, uh, and you reduce their their thrusters rating for their next activation by you know however much daca you have, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, The idea there is that that's an option for your opponent. They can choose to honor that reduction in thrusters rating and have no other ill effects. Or they can say, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. Um, And they can plow right into the kinetic cannon round cloud that you just shot at them. Uh, And then you get to resolve an attack, but you get to use your full thrusters. So trade-offs, right? You, You have the choice.
3: It also is one of the few actions that exist in the game without a range band limit because you're spewing metal into space. Everything else very much cares about distances. Am I in signature radius or not? Or am I within range to do a targeted attack? Uh, Suppressive fire doesn't care.
2: Yep, exactly. Um, Okay, so speaking of ranges, let's talk about interceptions a little bit. Um, One of the things that we felt was really awkward was that there were all these, like, movement tricks you could play. So this came out of a lot of the Houston crowd testing where they would just, like, boost a squadron past a bunch of other squadrons into the rear of a capital ship and then just start, like, firing nukes into the ass of something, and that felt really bad. Uh, it didn't make any sense. You're like, why do I have scuff sc- stuff screening if it doesn't work? So now it works. Um, if you move within inter- interception range of something, it will intercept you. Right? It's like a mine in infinity. As soon as you enter the trigger radius, boom, it happens. So there's no more its like sneaking past stuff like that. It, it, you'll, you'll just get intercepted. So that feels right. Um, you still have the ability to escape that if you want, but um, now it behaves like you would expect it to behave in a naval game. Um, so that sort of leads us into dogfights. We've talked about this in other episodes before, but we'll rehash it again. So this goes back to the whole Atano Circus idea. When you show up to a dogfight, the first thing you do is you unleash all of the missiles at your disposal. And so if you, even if you are dead, the missiles are in flight and they're going. So they have, you have a chance to, you know, suicide in launch all your missiles and be like, you know, and then, and then cut to the, uh, the, um the character development point where you're crying in your space helmet as you think of your, your lover and then you explode. Right. So uh, you can, anime <laughs> protagonists, yeah, anime protagonists, right. And then they eventually find your escape pod. And then anyway, so, That's the thing that happens. And then you basically engage in this secret bidding mechanic. Um, So, the things available to you in a dogfight are A, your pilot skill, right? So, if you're really good at stuff, you should be rewarded for that. Um, And so, there's an ace pilot upgrade, which increases your skill, right? So, you can pay to have a better pilot. Um, You can also shoot good, right? So, if you have a gun, you can either use it to sort of encourage your opponent to be in a certain spot or not in a certain spot by sort of suppressing them much like we just talked about or you can use it to shoot down incoming missiles uh, or you can just shoot the enemy right so you can use your gun to do any of these uh, things Uh, and then of course you've got your reaction mass and that's your ability to maneuver your ability to respond to threats your ability to like you know come out of the sun right by like accelerating in a weird arc and then coming out of the um the the blind spot of an enemy and that kind of thing so You total all of these things up. Your skill, your chosen weapon, and your uh, however much reaction mass you want to burn. And that becomes your dice pool. And like Tony was saying earlier, you then divide that dice pool into attack and defense. So that attack and defense is used throughout the rest of the dogfight, including against the missile attack that will resolve at the end of the dogfight. Uh, And then, once you've done all that... You tell your opponent what your attack and defense dice pools are. They tell you simultaneously. You also tell each other what weapon you've chosen. And the weapon you've chosen sets your initiative order. So basically what that means is sometimes you might get aced before you have a chance to do anything, which sounds bad, but you always have a trump card, uh, which is you can choose to use your lance, which is your lightsaber, effectively. Um, so lasers go first, followed by particle cannons, followed by kinetic cannons, followed by rail guns. And then of course, last are missiles. But if you want to guarantee a simultaneous hit, you can use your lightsaber because you're flying right at them. <laughs> you don't care what's happening and you're going to, you know, rely on your, your superior defensive maneuverability or whatever and slash them. So that's sort of, that's sort of the trade-off. I and mean, you guys have, you guys have played a lot of this. What do you guys want to Anything to add about this?
3: Another fun balance point to pull out right away. This is why exosuits are really useful against fighters in and of themselves as like a screen to defend against them because guess what? No fighter or bomber has a lance. So an exosuit can always guarantee the ability to strike. Mm. That is not the case with any fighters. The other thing that's very scary when I was discussing the alpha predator Korakazi mm-hmm. that Venus acts, is it uses something called linked lances. So you have two lances on that profile, which means you get to strike twice.
4: Yep. Oh, so good. And so scary.
3: You strike twice all the time. So you do one full attack cycle with one lance. You do another attack cycle with that lance yeah. again. I, so.
0: I love and you're doing it
3: at the same time. Which yeah, is I love why space battle that goes down to swords yep it is awesome and tony could probably attest to this better but um if you're in an exosuit and you're getting close to something the swords are coming out almost every time
2: as as it should be
4: (laughs) it feels very gundam in that regard or, or macross you know you're really up in the thick of it you know slashing at each other
2: you got a you you beam saver stuff through a missile swarm. That's, that's anime space battles of the game, right?
3: It's also very cool because um, leaning in on the fact that skill is a thing now and mm-hmm. skill is a thing that's valued on your squads. You can really lean in on uh, taking an upgrade, taking when you choose to pick your lance. One of the things you'll see on almost every single instance is that your skill is the dice that's used on the lance for it's like determining its value, which means using a lance on a Korakazi, for example, where it's damages its skill. This is very, 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 very scary. That means this by default has four dice from its skill. Yeah. Four dice. What's that skill? Oh, four. Yeah. Yeah. It's got eight dice base before you do anything. Plus two macro dice tied onto it. That's not burned any fuel yet. Yeah. That's not done anything else. Which is, that's as much as many can do burning their fuel. And then you start to see kind of the depth and the breadth of like, what do I want to have out screening? Do I leave my Korakazi out? I don't think so. I have to leave it safe so that I can hop in and fight the right fight. Because if I don't, I will get blown away with enough time. Because I just won't be able to out dice them long enough. Because you distribute your dice pulls between attack and defense. I have to think about that. Do I want to defend? How many more squads are going to come, come to kill me in this process? Um, not something you see in a lot of other games, first and foremost, because you're allocating resources over a period of time and then dividing them in ways that will either benefit you in the long term or the short term, which is better. Who knows?
0: Yep.
1: That's awesome.
3: <laughs> more yeah. More squadron battles in space. Grappler yep, so. also gets a free bonus too. Yeah. Korakazi is the
4: alpha predator.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. But it's still very killable.
4: Definitely. Killable but definitely an alpha predator. That thing just tears through other squads like no business nobody's business.
0: Yeah. Is, I mean it is
1: the best thing in close combat in the space naval battle game. Well,
2: I mean like the 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 lore is really funny for the Korakazi cuz it's definitely like nobody's seen it right? And survived. So you just hear stories of like, Oh, we just heard the pilot screams over the radio and the, and then nobody came home (laughs) kind of situation. So, so that's, that's definitely alpha predator vibes for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So bombing runs are very similar. Um, you know, we, we, we did a kind of similar bidding mechanic with point defense versus, uh, uh, um, you know the, the the incoming bomber. Oh, speaking of point defense, one thing we didn't really mention is that uh, point defense just shoots now. So if you are flying around a capital ship, the capital ship will shoot at you. Uh, hmm. So it, it's no longer just like I'm going to fly over here, and it's not the capital ship's turn, so it's just going to sit there politely and wait for me to do something. No, it's going to shoot you. It's going to shoot you immediately with its lasers. So. Um, if you fly into a, a, a dense net of capital ships, they're going to get a lot of attack modifier bonuses and they will shoot you. Um, so that creates a, a fun little uh, mechanic there. Um, you can also uh, boost as a, as a squadron moving through a capital ship field and that gives you some evasive ben, uh, benefits which like reduces the incoming fire and so on basically. Um, so you have, there are always counterplays available to you. That's one of the things that I want to keep Uh, a key design tenant but you know it is it is lethal to be near a capital ship because it's not just going to be politely waiting for you to do stuff
0: yeah
4: i mean because of that dice pool mechanic bombing runs are often pretty effective but not without their risks you uh, especially if you go in towards a whole group of untouched battleships that have like six defense or something you're going to get torn up pretty quickly
0: yeah
3: Another big point that you'll find is um, how you move the entire fleet matters a lot when you start thinking about bombing runs. Because if you we have uh, alternating activations in this game as well, if you activate the wrong thing out of order and you say, bring your barrier too far away from your not quite as fast other capital, that alpha predator is going to come out and play out of nowhere and it's going to blow apart this like solo capital while it has the opportunity because you can seize that initiative and go, go, go. Um, which is a very different counterplay than before.
2: Yeah. There's definitely a lot of uh, meat to the activation order in this game. You have to think very carefully about that. Uh, especially for things like Jovians who engaged a lot in squadron cycling, which basically you, you launch from a capital do an attack, turn around, go home, land, refuel, repair, that kind of stuff. So uh, you definitely need to pay attention to that. I've, I've relaxed a lot of the stuff, so you can do that now. You can launch and land in the same activation, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, we've added the ability to do cl- uh, combat air patrol, right? I guess combat air patrol is like an old term in the future, I guess, because it should be combat space patrol, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, um, but the general idea is that this is like a, a Mercury thing or certain ships have it. Um, and basically you get to glue a squadron to a capital ship and anything that flies by gets intercepted. That's the basic idea. Um, and so we are talking about doing similar things for drones. So class three drones will just be constantly glued to things with cap. Um, and then uh, future mechanics, we're looking at investigating that too. So I don't know. Um, have we covered, I think, I feel like we've covered most of the, the major things that I wanted to talk about. Um, in terms of, uh, of of rules changes uh, from 1, 2, 3 to 1, 2, 4. I don't know if you guys uh, think of anything that I missed or you guys want to cover.
1: There's a lot of interesting
3: sounding stuff. I can't wait to uh, play our next game.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: Thinking about um, one of the most important things that has happened that you don't see, obviously, is you should go look at the values of the dice tied to each weapon system now a lot of it's been toned down Mm
0: -hmm. it
3: wasn't as high as it was before um what that did is it reduced some of the killing power because you're adding more macro dice now as you stack up more and more modifiers now so what that's done is it's it's meant that when you hit something yeah really hit something if you've got lots of mods um this is probably best showcased by the satrap carrier um, if John has one floating around free, he could show people. Um, because it sets up a really unique combination. The Satrap has a hardpoint 2, 3x link. Which, also, note, it's only got two fire control. So it's not an awful lot. What do you do with that? Uh, Tony is on the receiving end of this really often. This is probably his least favorite <laughs> combo in the game. Um, the Satrap is exceptionally good at dealing with someone with by putting... AC missiles, anti-cap missiles into that slot, and then putting a recon out. You have escalating missiles that average a bonus of about four on most targets after armor, which means it's doing something akin to, I think it's five base dice through two flex dice, or a flex die, and like four to six macro before you account anything else. Um, You
1: you have a respectable chance to get quads.
3: You do because you're also escalating every hit, like everything is escalating. So this kind of makes for really interesting combinations because now things can really die as opposed to um, everything was killing you all the time no matter what, or you're just having a slap fight at long ranges. So what this is doing is it's emphasizing the value of choosing the right ship at the right time, but it's also emphasizing the importance of um, get those modifiers.
4: Because it's going
3: to do things for you big time now.
4: Yeah, I was about to say. I, I think the modifiers are super important now because um, the negatives are actually more common than the positives, at least in the beginning stages of the game. So it really is m- way important to uh, stack those those positive modifiers so you're getting either base dice or even uh, a little above. Is that that first plus? plus one uh, base die and then plus one flex after that are are really important. Um so it makes positioning even more important than it was before in the game. I think that covers most of
3: the big things I would talk about from the release to release.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean it's it's been a lot. I feel like, you know, when I was writing the the blog post, I definitely forgot a bunch of stuff like now you can actually shoot past your sensor range at some penalties right so that's possible as well i'll let you guys go into the rules for that but um it, it, it exists now um there's a bunch of actions that help govern that um but let's talk about what's coming down the pipe right so yeah. one of the one of the big things that obviously we got to do now that we spent all this this uh this faction um rebalance retuning and sort of like uh reidentifying identifying like the core Feel of the faction for the three main ones. Uh, the next, the next one on the hit list is going to be Mars. So we'll, we'll uh, I know, I know Eric with his 3D printer has been uh, printing out some some proxies for use. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we'll be we'll be checking out all of those things and and tuning them, making sure they feel distinct from the other factions, and then we'll get onto Mercury um, and and make sure that that works out. Um, in terms of upcoming releases. I know Robert is planning on uh, doing a, a, a Kickstarter. The exact timing is still up in the air, but uh, it's happening um, probably at this rate next year sometime, given that we're so close to the holiday season, but who knows? Um, I mean, I can't speak for Robert, right? So um, but yeah, so so things things are going to be uh, coming out soon. Uh, what, what we have today is playable for Mars and Mercury, right? So you can absolutely, uh, let's say the Kickstarter is tomorrow. Right, you buy the models. They show up by Christmas. You can totally play with them, uh, but just understand that the rules will evolve, the profiles will evolve as we as we narrow in on uh, what the faction identity should really be and get all the mechanics that they deserve in there. Right, so that's all happening. Um, a couple of really big things that I want to do. Uh, some of the feedback that I've gotten from uh, from playtesters, as all well the people that I've tried to teach the game to, is that um, it needs a, a, like a, um, a teaching pass, right? So the rules mm. right now are written very much from a, these are, the, these are the mechanics that I want to implement. I've written as, as uh, probably over pedantic, overly precise language, right? You know, I, I, Eric has a software development background, you know, like everybody's technical, right? In some way or the other. And so I, I've got an engineering background and, and when, we, when we write all these rules and we get feedback from people like Tony and Adam, it's going to be like very precise and maybe hard to learn, so you want to go back and, and do a pass where everything flows better. i A lot of feedback that I've gotten from people sort of skimming the rules are like this this example doesn't make any sense. It's referencing stuff that doesn't exist anymore well that's because I didn't look at the example and I didn't change the text. so things like that need to need, <laughs> need to get fixed right so sorry, Pete Satchel, like that, that will get fixed eventually um, so that's one thing that I want to do um, I mean, other it, things
1: it, the rules. The rules read like infinity rules and our number one suggestion to all new infinity players is
2: Don't read the rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I,
2: I, I want to improve that, right? So so there's like there's no reason that this can't be a very tight spaceship game, but also with very approachable rule book. So yeah. I, I, I feel like we can do that. Um, but as it stands right now, we you know, we like if you look at the delta between one two three and one two four, it's pretty freaking big. So a lot has changed, and uh, getting things into a state uh, where it's like readable would be hard to do, as well as retaining the ability to slot in changes and make quick edits. So it's a definitely a delicate balancing act. But now I feel like the core mechanics are are solidified enough that I, I think I can commit to one two five doing at least a at least a minor pass on readability. Right, so we can at least do that. Um, A couple other things that we're we're sort of investigating is, of course, uh, padding out the upgrades list, right? So um, we talked about ECM, how powerful ECM is. ECCM is necessary, right, if you want to get through that. So you should be able to buy it. Right. You should be able to. I and mean, of course, DP nine sells the parts for these things. So you absolutely should be able to put it on your ship and buy it. Right. So yeah. I promised way back at the beginning of this process that I was I'm taking away upgrades right now because it's too complicated. But I promise I'll add them back in. And so we're actually doing that and just taking some time. Um, so uh, we'll add lots we'll more cool. upgrades.
1: Yeah, it is kind of cool how all of the ships actually have hard points. Yeah on the physical models. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in the dream pod nine shop, there's dozens and dozens of just little different nubs. You yep. put on that hard point for, like you said, ECM pods or additional guns, fuel pods,
2: like et cetera. Right. Like fuel all pods. kinds of little additional things that you can add and they do real things in the game. And they, if they don't do real things right now, they will. And if I forget about it, tell me because I probably legitimately <laughs> forgot. And I need, I need to externalize my memory to the internet. So Please help me. Um, so that's happening. Other things that we're considering are giving you some more options, right? So uh, we just talked about how, you know, Tony's least favorite thing to see across the table is the satrap firing missiles. Well, what if, what if Eric rolls real good and Tony rolls poop, right? That feels bad. Is there a way out, right? There aren't re- many reroll sources in Jovian Wars intentionally because the die system is so complicated. And rerolling actually does introduce a pretty significant stutter to the flow of the game. I don't mm. want to do that as as much as possible. Sometimes you have to do a reroll, okay, fine. But I don't want to introduce a reroll mechanic. So, one of the things that we're testing right now or we'll test soon is the ability to do things like burn ratings. So, for example, in this in the aforementioned case, you know, Eric's got a satrap shooting at Tony's, you know, I don't know, God's fire or something. Ah, uh, Tony has a terrible role. Eric has a great role. This looks like the Godfire is going to be dead. Um, but Tony says, "I'm going to overclock my defense thing, and I'm going to call Scotty and in the engineering, you know, uh, section of the ship, and he's going to overcharge something with the phase array tachyons, and uh, we're going to get through this. Um, but doing so, right? Scotty's going to complain about something. You're going to overload the power conduits and blow something up, and you actually will, right? So by crossing off a, a uh, defense rating you can you know maybe do something like diminish eric's role and that will that will take you from being dead to being almost dead and that may be all the difference um, so but that means on subsequent rolls you're rolling one less die probably right which makes venus interesting because venus has lots of redundant systems right so they can start to afford to burn things which is a new way for them to be strong and weak simultaneously right yeah, reverse the polarity, PJ says. It'll all be yeah, fine.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> and So that's, things, uh, yeah,
2: that's definitely I, something that we're thinking about. Um, and this all came out of uh, Eric's espionage system, which I'll let I'll let him talk about because you're the guy who came up with it.
3: That's right. So espionage isn't coming because, come on, this is space. Have you not seen how many people are on a capital ship? How easy would it be to sneak a person on a capital ship that's got thousands of people on it?
1: I mean, like, immediately espionage, the first thing I thought of was Battlestar Galactica. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm-hmm. How many skin jobs exist on this ship? Yeah, I want that. It's coming, um, and it's going to have big impacts. um, Impacts that reach from... Maybe you don't get a weapon system. Maybe you don't get to deploy right away. Maybe you lose ratings. Sure. Maybe you lose ratings when something's happening in the middle of combat. Maybe your ship loses structure out of nowhere. Um, these are all the things that are going to happen. Now, burning rating though, and thinking about that, we also notice there's a box that's not heavily used right now in most of our systems, which is the Marines box. Mm-hmm. You go look at the Marines box on some of these big capitals, it's big, high numbers. You can burn those to counterplay against espionage attacks that people are using against you. Um, Venus, for example, would love to use it, Um, but they would not like to be on the receiving end of a lot of espionage, because, as John already alluded to, there's a lot of automated systems. They don't much think about that stuff, but uh, people do. So Azar, a mid-sized capital, has only got three Marines. It's burning Marines has a second consequence to another set of rules that isn't used too heavily by us yet, which is boarding actions be awfully easy to take control of a ship after you nuked all of the Marines, trying to keep yourself from getting blown up earlier. So we're again, focused on the trade-offs. What can I burn now to keep me alive for now, but might make everything much, much worse later. Um, I don't know. So That's the core of the espionage system, which actually is going to be leaning pretty deep on the uh, the officer system at large. Like the captain that you've seen alluded to is the first of many slots that are coming. Um, Most importantly, will probably be intelligence officers, captains, gunnery officers. Um, There's a VIP slot that is created, which will be unique. And then there will be a miscellaneous slot that will also be unique. So certain ships can only take certain crew members. So like that jammer ship will only have space for a captain and an intelligence officer because, hey, we're doing spooky stuff. So the point is to give you more things to spend your TV on because these are all going to cost things. You want to be a spy, you better spend some TV on that. Which again, reduces the volume of fleet that's sitting on the table right at that moment. Which again, interesting decisions before you hit the table.
2: Yeah, so uh, a few notes about a few, a few things. So one, uh, you know, Eric briefly touched on this, but you will have to buy into espionage, right? You got to spend points at fleet yeah. construction. You don't get it for free. Uh, and basically by buying in, you get a certain number of chances uh, to do these things, right? Because you don't get to just keep blowing stuff up for free. The spy will get caught and will get thrown into the brig or executed or shot or whatever, right? So the Cylon got revealed, they get shot. So, uh, you there's know, there's airlocks. Yeah. Yeah. There's airlocks on ships. Um, yeah. Also, uh, boarding actions are something that we haven't spent a huge amount of time testing because we've been focused on other things. Um, you know, PJ alluded to, to say uh, to how boarding actions, uh, were more prevalent in Houston when they were testing, you know, probably just because PJ likes boarding actions, I guess. Um, but, uh we will be changing those to more um fit the dogfight and bombing run sort of bidding mechanic which uh we'll we just have enough time to go through and, and do that um so that will all sort of get like turned into the same kind of interaction so so like if you look at all the things we're doing right we've changed everything to use similar or even the same mechanic right so we're trying to streamline everything uh, while giving as much design freedom as possible, so um that builds a a a a base of knowledge and competence uh and skill that people can rely on and chunk everything into only the differences right so that makes makes uh memory access faster when playing the game. Uh, it makes decisions more interesting because you don't have to think about all the, you know, why does this work again? You you know how it works as you've internalized it. You you know how the, uh, the uh, modifier table works. Um, so you can just make the interesting decision and play the game the way you want to play it as opposed to fight the rules. So that's sort of uh, that's the deal. Cool.
3: I really want to build on that. One of the most important pieces of feedback that I generally bring when I'm playtesting is, is it fun? is it taking me hard a lot of time to remember how to th- do a thing? How many times do I have to look a thing up? And as a play tester, you are, just, you are cycling through rules maybe every other time you play.
0: Yeah.
3: Like, we have completely changed ECM and ECCM more times than I can keep track of. Yeah. Which I've already said the wrong thing tonight about what ECM is as published, because I've already flipped it. I get it, Carlos. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Um, but what is key and what is really important is that you should get the dice mechanics of this game are actually fun and interesting. So you don't need to make them too complicated outside of just how do I tweak them mm-hmm. and going fast while you're playing is what's important because the first couple action turns are kind of slow because once you get into a um, we're in sensor range, we're in optimal range, things start dying. Things start mattering. Actions start having real big impact really quick. And as you start racking up those mods, you want to be able to quickly just resolve it so you can go to the next thing because you're going to have a lot of stuff happen in the middle of the game. It's kind of the opposite of infinity where a lot of things happen in turn one and then you get diminishing returns because you've lost resources. Jovian Wars is a bell curve where you have a slowish start and then you have this really big Gaussian, like that, first standard deviation where most of the action happens, something ridiculous happens and then falls down. But yeah. our emphasis is to play easy, easy to keep in your head. And your decisions for strategy and tactics are what matter, not how good am I at knowing all the rules? How good am I at knowing all the modifiers? How good am I at doing these things?
2: Yeah, I want to, I want to touch on that. So, one of the things about that sort of bell-shaped um, distribution of action, right, or in terms of density of, of stuff happening, um, you know, the first couple of turns are definitely about jockeying for position, making sure you're in the right place, setting up for subsequent turns. Then, like, all hell breaks loose, stuff starts exploding, uh, and then sort of things started tapering, tapering off. Uh, the one thing that's missing right now from both playtesting and I think really fleshed out rules is better scenarios. And what I hope to have is the same kind of intensity in, in because um, I don't think you can really avoid that, right? Stuff is going to die and then you just have less options and you have less guns to shoot and less stuff to blow up. So the action will still follow that sort of bell curve shape. But what I want in terms of decision-making intensity is, is sort of more of a, a step function. Are you sort of like, okay, I'm positioning, I'm positioning, and then now I have to think really hard until the end of the game and I get the last point on the table, right? That's that's what I'm I'm shooting for. It should feel like the end of an infinity game where you're like, all right, I've got five orders, I have to do six things. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> right? So that's that's what I'm hoping for, and hopefully we'll get there.
3: I think there's um, a future. One of the things I'm as I'm working through the officer system is we're talking about the idea of having sublists originate from somewhere. Officers was one of those sources. The other thing that I was hoping to see officers do was unlock mission objectives. Yeah. I brought this person with, we have to do this thing or I have to keep this capital alive, or I need to get this person to this location. Hmm. And that's what we're hoping to kind of, flesh out that middle area in a very different way or i need to race to the finish with a hard burn in the next two action or next two turns better go fast
2: yep and the other person can be like well i'm gonna suppress the crap out of you because i want to reduce your thrusters value and then you could be like oh well i guess i gotta keep going hope i survive so better die time Yep, yeah, exactly so you have to do all these kinds of like trade-offs and stuff so i want to make a quick pitch um so first of all, I want to thank Eric and Tony for all the time they put in. Um, you know, like like they were saying, sometimes there's Like, from my perspective, right? I'm here taking care of kids, uh, like changing diapers or whatever. I get a text from one of them. It's like, all right, game is starting. And it's like 10 a.m., right? And then for the next couple of hours i'm just getting a play-by-play of like okay this is the fleet list this is the end of turn one this is what happened right and so i'm getting to see this and then i get like how did you intend for this to work like right? i'm like i'm like i'm holding a bottle in one hand and i'm like oh i meant for the rule to do this and then and so so we're having a conversation throughout the day and when we can right post game if you guys aren't falling asleep or you know it's like late at night you'll you'll give me a call on discord and we'll talk through what happened and sort of iterate this can be you too. It's like you know, not not to say that um, their their contribution is is not uh, exemplary and special, right? It is, right? They're putting in the time and the effort, but you know, I'm, that's not the bar that you have to to reach to engage with the design process. You can absolutely hit me up on Discord and be like, "Hey, I played a, a game with my buddy and we really like this. That's awesome, right?" Then we should we should make sure that thing that you liked stays at least in spirit, if not in exact text, right? Because that was that was a was a um, a, a thing that you know was uh, memorable to you and felt good, right? That's we want to keep that. Also, uh, we have a particular bent in terms of uh, our life experience, our professional experience, uh, the way we approach games, um, you know. Uh, it's, it's okay to also say no, right? So I, drones used to be completely different. And then I played one game with Adam. And he's like, drones are stupid. I hate them. They're so dumb. Like, why would it's I ever do this? And I was like, yeah, I really like drones are cool. Like, I wanted to do the thing. And you were like, no. But like, what if they were completely different and they did this thing? And I was like, okay, that's fine. So then I went and tried it at home, right? I just like played a game against myself. I was like, oh. This is clearly the correct idea. This is way better than what I came up with. And it's because Adam is a different way of approaching problems than I do. And Eric and Tony have both suggested things in similar veins, right? That like, you know, they've both said to me, like, this is bad. I don't like this. And I'm like, well, I work really hard on that. I think it's cool. That's okay. It's okay to have, engage with a, with, a, with a design problem, be emotionally invested in an idea and have somebody tell you that they don't like it and why, and then you have to have an objective think about it. And be like, okay, is this healthy for the game as a whole? Is this, you know, is this true to the core design principles, the core tenets of the game? Is is this the play experience I want players to have, or is just is this just the cool thing that I like, right? So, um, and the only way to really get uh, as much of this sort of optimization and and cutting of the fat and getting rid of the stuff that doesn't make sense is people have to tell us what they like and they don't like. Right, so please engage with us. Please tell us what you what you think. Tell us how your games went. I mean, we're all war gamers. We want to talk shop, right? Tell us some cool stuff that happened, and that's enough, right? So please, please let us know how your games went and uh, what you guys think.
3: I can't undersell how important it is to emphasize. Like, people are listening. Like, this game is being developed. It is not final. There's nothing that we haven't at least addressed in some way, shape or form in the entire rule set since we started play testing, I cannot think of a single thing. Um, We have touched every part of it and all it requires is your time and your willingness to like kill your children is one of the things that we talk about doing in software development. Like you have to be willing to just murder your children. I have recommended multiple things that we tried, kept for a while and we have since murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even want to think about how many different ways of doing venus we have done because venus has changed its form at least 10 or 15 times since we started this process yep i need your voice in here though because you're gonna play venus different than me and i'm the one who's played the most of it right now from a playtesting pov so what is the wombo combo for venus why why not um you're the only people who can find it because i can't find everything
4: yeah absolutely at the end of the game uh at the end of the day you know we love we love this game we're helping to develop something that we care about and we want to see it just grow uh we want to see the community grow so we have more opponents to play i want to see this thing uh ball out of control and just uh get amazing so you know please help us yeah play test as much as we can and uh let us know what you think
2: absolutely and i i will say that the key word in here is play test right like if you don't finish a game, that's cool, but as much as much table time as you can get and you can offer is is really important, because we can talk about the intricacies of rules, um, and I'm more than happy to take feedback on, like, this doesn't make sense, can you explain it better? Please tell me, right? I love to, I love to get that kind of stuff, because I think a certain way, uh, and part of being a good teacher is knowing how to explain stuff to people who think differently, uh, and so I, w- I want to hear those things, but... Uh, we value table experience over anything else, I think is I think it's a statement. So please let us know how things went on the table. Um, we we want to know. And then send us pictures of your table, too, right? Because there is terrain in this game, it does matter. Uh, and, um, you know, we want to know how that went and what your positioning looked like, all that kind of stuff. So the more data you can give us, the better.
3: Everyone that I've worked with in this game is data driven. So data points will add up. Um, and we test them pretty much on the fly. If someone brings enough data, we just immediately change a thing, try it, and then feedback, and we keep going, and that's where we went. That's how we got things like the bonus modifier system accounting for three-quarters of this game now. Yep. Um, And I'll be honest, I would love to prove to some of my local crew that this is an awesome game still. You should come play it with us. Like, I have a bone to pick with my own local meta because I think they should love the hell out of it because i do think it's cool it does have potential and you're not going to find it in battlefleet gothic you're not going to find it in one of the random privateer not privateer press um palladium games that exist for all of three years and then they vaporize into nothingness so um that's the other thing kind of keep in mind like you have a voice in something that's gonna last and that's cool yeah
4: i think that's fun and hey anime space battles
3: that's right
1: in space
4: in space be your own anime protagonist yep oh yes yeah. more,
1: more anime protagonist uh, cards please
3: <laughs> i will allude to something which is um i have very big plans for how i'd like to see some things in mercury to be implemented um if you've seen gundam double o you have an idea of where i'd like to see things go Cryptic. Alright, guys. Well, uh
1: wow. Yeah, no, It it sounds like the game has evolved quite a bit. Um, even just since the last edition. So it is an exciting time to play. The three factions that are already available are already nice and distinct, and it'll work well together. Um, and of course, two more coming out in the future is always awesome. Especially the HLVs. That's all I want. All I want is HLVs. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys
3: well you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to late night war games
1: john take it away
2: all right so remember to write into mailbag wargames.com if you want to get in touch with us if you want to uh if you want to uh join the playtesting effort hit us up on the discord you can get the link on JovianWars.blog. um so that's an unfortunate side effect of of me running uh, the semi-official website for it right so it's a dot blog tld um but yeah so everything is there you could ever want, uh, including the Discord link, if I get anything wrong, tell me about it on the internet. Tell me I'm wrong, right? So there's that. Um, if you want to play Infinity or uh, Heavy Gear, you can do so at our many, many blogs, Bruneman Academy, Lumbering Sprocket, Infinity Academy. You can go hit up the guys at Infinity Global League, right? So there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, we're here every other Tuesday. I think we may have to reschedule the upcoming one because uh, we got some family things going on, but I'll, we'll we'll send out social medias about it. Um, so that's happening. Uh, we're every, uh, every first and third Tuesday of the month, unless something weird happens, we're here at eight thirty PM Pacific. We know the time is weird. So, uh, we always upload everything to YouTube 24 hours later, also to your favorite podcast op, so you can listen to us in the car and wish you saw our beautiful faces, uh, on the internets, on the YouTubes. Um, uh, and then, of course, thank you to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon supporter, aka Late Night Wargamer and get access to the secret parts of our Discord, you can do so. Um, and then, of course, thank you to our sponsors: DreamPod, Mythic Games, Corvus Belly, Board and Brew, and Brutal Cities.
1: Eric, Tony, do you want to plug? All right. Well, yeah, be sure to catch us on Facebook and YouTube and anywhere that podcast. you your podcasts. So, enjoy the show. Please take a moment to give us a five star rating on iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. All this will help us bring you the best content that we possibly can. I think that is the first time in 107 episodes I said that without like messing up one of the words. So,
3: nailed it. Best.
2: Hooray.
1: <laughs> all right,
2: guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for all the time you put into the game. Uh, and stay safe out there, everybody. Take care. Good night.
4: Bye. Ciao. won't you play games with me and i like to do everyone that's what i like to do that's what i like to do that's what i really like
3: to do that's what i really